everyone, and welcome to a very super jam-packed special edition of Turn Out a Punk Footnotes. I'm one of your hosts, Damien Abraham, and your other host, as always, is that Robbie Brookside-hating, unfortunately, football team losing, wheeling, dealing, son of a gun, Chris O'Toole. Chris, how are you doing, buddy? Uh, yeah, I'm good. I definitely don't hate Robbie Brookside. But Everton but... crushed Man City Look this at week. you. Yeah, look at you go. I was going to say, Damien, how do you know that? Did you, did you put something up on Twitter? No, I was watching Al Jazeera uh, uh, East, or English, I should say, and they have football information coming up. And wow. then I was also perusing... Um, some wrestling-related sports section and noticed there was an article about what is up with Manchester City. Yes, this is all very true, uh, sidebar, but I just find it funny that you knew that. Well, good on you. Yes, his football team did kick mine's ass badly, and uh, I still do not hate them or him, though. So, yeah. No, of course not. Of course not. But uh, anyway, Chris, I'm sorry about that. But what I'm not sorry about is the awesomeness of the episode that you and me got to do in D.C. And then furthering that awesomeness by inviting together the Justice League of Turned Out a Punk. Yeah, I went with the D.C. one, not the Marvel one. I don't know why, actually, after I said it. Dave and Dave, our American correspondents are here. Dave Martin and David Up. How's it going? Great. I cannot... It's going pretty well. Yeah, your energy level is through the roof today. <laughs> dudes, dudes, dabs, dabs. <laughs> That's all i got to say. Um, and for a DC episode, you should go DC over Marvel, right? Well, that's true. Actually, that wow, that's that's very witty of you, Dave. So that's why I'm glad <laughs> that one of us is less into the dabs because you mm-hmm. have that role tonight. Uh, yes. But no, thank you guys for coming back to the show. And yeah, I feel like... This is it. This is the brain trust. This is like if if Turned Out a Punk was going to call together some of the great minds that are available to us, I can't think of two greater than you two. Well, as as members of the Wack Pack. Oh, shucks. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The, the <laughs> Wack Pack. <laughs> I like that Dave, David Up goes right to the Wack Pack reference again, second week in a row. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you're just turning this all stern. I think I think if we get the Joanna Angel episode, that's when we go full stern. Well, I I I I could probably pull the strings if you need to. If you can do that, Dave, are you kidding me? I've wanted to have her on the show forever. Yeah, I mean she's from New Jersey. I I know her in real life. Okay, okay. Now, well, I mean I haven't I haven't talked to her in a long time, but I I hung out with her plenty of times. Well, when we when when this actually ties into the DC episode, when we met Ian Mackay, uh, what did he bring up, Chris? But, but which I don't know where you're going. But Joanna Angel. Yeah. No, he brought up Joanna Angel. Of, really? Of Burning Angel, uh, the porn site. Yeah, he said that. Oh, one... you're wrong. I don't know if I don't know if he did. He brought up. Well, he didn't bring up. We it. We were talking about the idea of things and. Things associated with punk not being punk. And he referenced Suicide Girls, which no, is and not. He referenced Suicide Girls. And then he also referenced at a, at a, uh, a Q&A one time he did uh, a woman uh, who owned a porn site that I identified probably as Joanna Angel of Burning Angel. And I think he said, yes, you're correct. Uh, stood up and asked him about punk porn. 
and the role. Oh, okay. Because mm-hmm. I, I, your memory is better than mine. Then, ironically, because I don't remember that bit. But okay. What do you mean, ironically? Cause the because weed? you're the guy who, who's doing dabs at the moment. Yeah, well, I'm not, I wasn't doing dabs with Ian McKay. That would be... That's the one thing I didn't have the courage <laughs> to ask him. But that rumor that exists in every town where there's always some shitty dude that claims that they smoked weed with Ian McKay. And I was hoping I could have been that shitty dude in D.C., but alas, never came up and I didn't have the courage to bring it up. <laughs> okay, I don't know where we, where we got from on this whole bit, but yeah. Okay, well, let's get back into today's episode. Uh, we've got a jam-packed episode. What's up? Do the intro. Oh, I was going to do the intro. Uh, if you okay. want to get in touch with us here at Turned Out of Punk Footnotes, they email us where, Chris? Turned Out of Punk Footnotes at gmail.com. And if they want to get in touch with uh, me, you can go over to DamienAbraham.com. If you want to like to support this show, you can subscribe to it. Write a review and rate it if you use iTunes. That would be a great way to support it. Or if you don't use iTunes, tell your friends. Let them all know that we're having a party over here. I'm high energy tonight. We've got like a Justice League uh, slash Avengers assembled of uh, people that use Discogs far too often for their own good. Um, and uh, if you would like to find me on social media, at for Damien. And I think that's it for the plugs and various things right now. I don't think of anything else. Chris right now your death match thing. oh the death match thing well you know it's doing <laughs> it's doing all right Chris we can we can leave that alone <laughs> for right now oh, yeah, Chris, did like, you watch it yet I still have not I still have not watched it no Chris don't you because like it's not on shit? my it's not on my television and I'm not a millennial who like likes to watch like movie things on the on the computer Bullshit. So that's Bullshit. my you excuse. watch so much YouTube content I know you do. I know you watch them so no, much. No, I don't. Not really. You don't watch... You, well, you've never watched the breakdown Thompson Square Park video on YouTube. Tompkins. I don't think I've ever watched it on YouTube. I remember watching it like someone on a VHS copy or something being traded like 10 years ago I've oh seen. But yeah, no, not on YouTube. Well, it's on YouTube. Watch it again. I watched it this week. <laughs> I know you did. You posted about it. <laughs> I did. I was at 2 o'clock in the morning after my kids had woken me up and I had to go to the bathroom. So I'm sitting in the bathroom... Maybe that's too much information for all of you. Um, and I'm just sitting there, and I'm watching the breakdown video. <laughs> and I'm like, this is the best video at 2 o'clock in the morning. Did you ever see the uh, the Reagan Youth Topkin Square show? Uh, another one of those, like, I think so. A, is it the same angle? Because there's another one that's the exact same angle that I've seen. It, Reagan Youth are all dressed like hippies in it. Oh, maybe. It's a weird era. Like, they're all wearing really weird clothes, but uh, it's still awesome. Dude. And they play, like, some of the, like, Reagan Youth songs you're not as crazy about. But uh, you can see, like, Ralphie Boy from Disassociate just, like, sitting there. Like, it's cool. Just only, um, well, that, that definitely was a great period of Reagan Youth. A not-so-great period of Reagan Youth that I guess I should bring up because someone came up to me after the show uh, from Positive Force DC and showed me an exchange that he had with whatever the current manifestation of Reagan Youth is. And the dude was saying the most fucked up racist shit I've ever seen. So yeah, he, yeah, he uh, he had like a whole bunch of beef with like a girl that I I also know in Philly. Holy fuck, that's cr- like honestly. But anyway, that's enough. Yeah, about Reagan youth. So <laughs> watch the YouTube <laughs> video of that weird era because it's a weirder era now apparently. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we should dive into also some other kind of 
terrible uh, news, but of a totally other, but far more tragic nature. Uh, there has been two recent passings that we should definitely talk about on this show. Am I right, Chris? Correct, yeah. there. Uh, we had one sent in from our Norwegian correspondent, Kel, who's excellent at filling us in on things that we may have slipped through the cracks. And this one certainly one wasn't. Kel. Kel's like the Justice League member we need to have yes. in here. Agreed. Kel's always contributing. Um, but yeah, he sent us the link that uh, Gary Lance Robbins uh, from Poison Girls, or Lance Boyd, or Boyle? Boyle, pardon me. Drummer Poison Girls just passed away recently. And there's a link uh, from a site called, oh, it's, a, it's like a WordPress, the hippies now wear black. Anyway, it's um, passed away on the 16th of January, founding member of the band, of course, from and it was in it from 77, 85. Um, and yeah, just sad news, you know, usual kind of stuff we tend to cover, unfortunately, a little too often lately. Yeah. yeah. I kind of want to see what the, uh, the rest of his discogs was like. Did he play any of the other bands that were kind of like associated with Poison Girls? I didn't look it up, but we have enough of. Uh, maybe, I, do, are you on the resource there? Anybody? I'm. I'm. I'm getting there right now. <laughs> yeah, going to it. My sausage fingers are typing as fast as they can. <laughs> Either way, uh, sad news, and it's. I think the thing that's kind of. Um, it looks like it's just pretty much poison girls. Okay. Yeah, it seems like in the article they cite uh, founding member well as well as musical contributions he produced editions of the impossible dream art slash collage photo montage magazine and uh is important to poison girls and eccentrics records was immense it mentioned it says, that, it says sorry, he's the stepfather of honeybane but i don't know if that's yeah that, that accurate i think that's the i think that's the story because the, the honeybane was the daughter of the woman from poison girls all right. And then there was some connection to Pete Fender, too. Do you remember that band, Pete Fender? And they did that song, Promises, Promises, You Never Remember. Promises, Promises, You Never Forget. Promises, Promises, You Always Make It. Yeah, yeah. You Always Regret. When You Say... Anyway, <laughs> good song. <laughs> Check that song out. Uh, so he... Wait, did they say that he ran Extinct's record? Or he was involved in it heavily? It just said, yeah, he, he was... Uh... Yes, his importance too was immense. It doesn't cite specifically that he ran anything, but um, so I don't know if that's just someone posting a memorial in reference okay. or what have you. But well, it makes way. sense. They were on the label kind of the longest out of all the bands, but that's where the Pete Fender single came out on too, mm-hmm. and uh, the fatal microbes too. Okay, um, so that's a tragic passing, and then uh, you know another tragic passing this week. Uh, sadly, was the passing of Bill Price. Uh, Bill Price has been. Uh, instrumental to kind of shaping the sound of British punk rock kind of right from the get-go. Uh, he did, of course, the engineering work on the greatest sounding rock and roll record. That's also John Worcester's words, not just my words, of all time, never mind the bullocks. And then also some record that people like, apparently, called The London Calling. And, uh, and then he's also done, you know, a lot of other stuff, you know. Uh, apparently, Guns N' Roses too. Use Your Illusions, Volume One and Two, and the Spaghetti. Yeah, other it, ones like Jesus and Mary Chain, Libertines, and then like '80s stuff. He seemed to do a lot of like Rod Stewart in excess. But either way, the it's crazy to think that he had a, a fingerprint on those two first mentioned records. Yeah, no, of course. Like, well, he co-produced the Sex Pistols record, which is, uh, you know, I imagine no small feat, kind of like getting that sound. But that sound is just like that record sounds. 
like a million bucks today. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, there's nothing dated about the record. No. And uh, he did a spaghetti incident, which is a record that my mom forbid me from hearing. So I only got to hear it much later in life. <laughs> yeah, Charles Manson song on it. I'm not allowed to hear yes. it. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, so you had uh, more sort of tragic news as well to mention as far as news content goes. Uh, well, well, let me get back to our news page, Chris. <laughs> Uh, you mentioned it at the beginning of the last. Oh episode yeah, of course, you absolutely. Up. You know, I wanted to get to this um, also really tragic kind of news that unfortunately definitely bears mentioning though on this show. Friend of the show, former guest Freddie Pompey, member of the legendary, legendary Vile Tones, um, and of course uh, a slew of other bands, has been stricken with cancer and is really uh, kind of in desperate need of some money right now. Uh, so they've put on a benefit show at the Garrison. It's going to be happening February 5th. That's in Toronto. And if you're not in Toronto, this is worth the trip up because this is like probably the greatest collection of Toronto punk bands, first wave Toronto or kind of first, second wave Toronto punk bands I've ever seen assembled. Um, the bands that are playing include Arson, the B-Girls, Battered Wives or the Wives, the Curse, the Demics, the Dents, uh, Dents are one of the, you know, one of the great elusive unrecorded first wave bands. The Diodes, the Mods, and others are all coming together to play a benefit for them. Uh, there's donations that you can be made in, um, at fifteen dollars is a suggested donation that they're doing. There's also like a a fundraiser page that I saw the other day, but I'm now trying to find right now, and I can't seem to find it. Uh, that someone's doing online to help raise some funds for them as well. Um, but please, if you, if you do, uh, have any, um, uh, you know, time available to you or, 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 you know, or around in Toronto on February 5th, make it out to this show because it is definitely an unbelievable bill for a unbelievably sad reason. Agreed. Did you find yeah. that, did you find that site, Chris, the donation thing? I can't find it. There's a. I'm sure I was looking on the actual events page. I thought maybe someone would have put it on there. I can't seem to find anything uh, for the show that you're mentioning. Yeah. Um, what we'll try and do either way, as usual, is put it up on the uh, the Facebook for Turn Out a Punk once we scour a little more and find out info. If anyone also out there hearing this, whatever, in coming days, just uh, send it our way. I'm sure we may have found it, but you never know. Yeah, and like also, um, if if. Uh uh, once again, if you uh, if you go to the Facebook page, um, there is a Facebook event for this, and so you can search that and uh, and add yourself to that list and check out that show. I can't believe that lineup. That's a crazy lineup. Yeah, there's even more. Like on the Facebook page, they like they're they're they mention Tyranna, and there's a few others that get uh, that aren't on the listing. Dick Duck and the Dorks, Drastic Measures. Existers, Johnny and the G Rays. Oh, fuck. Uh, and that's I think there's maybe a couple others I can't really read here, but either way. So yeah, yeah zero, a whole four, bunch of or zero. Um, I wonder what the Valtones. I wonder who else from the Valtones is going to be playing. I guess it's got to be the rest of the people from. Uh, oh, it says the, the ugly. It says the ugly in the Valtones. I was trying uh, the way the, the oh, vents yeah, yeah. read. Wow, even the ugly. That's crazy. Yeah, so that's uh, interesting. I'm going to try and make my way out to that for sure. 
yeah, it's going to be it's it's definitely worth checking out if you're in the city 100%. And uh, get well to Freddy if there's um, anyone that can kick any ailment's ass. It's the guy that gave a screaming fist. And both Chris and I can attest to that song is probably the most important Canadian punk song ever. And we've heard audio evidence of this now, Chris, haven't we? <laughs> yes, we have. And it does relate to the episode at hand. Yes. It does good, relate good to the segment. episode. Um, so shall we dive into this week's episode and which we will get to that in this week's episode. We got to talk about that in this week's episode. Uh, oh, we got to do mailbag first, don't we? Yes. And there was another news item. Are you trying to skip over it or do you? Oh no, I have to bury this band. I have to bury this band every chance I get. Yeah. Um, the, uh, Jonah's, uh, night job, career suicide has <laughs> recently put out an amazing, uh, another fucking amazing LP in a continuing slew of unfortunately unbelievable LPs. Uh, they are also putting out a brand new 7-inch that's self-released. And <laughs> you don't have to take my word for it. The good old folks at NPR have picked up on the story. Isn't that right, Dave Martin? That is right. Um, you know, they, they broke their streak of only writing about punk bands when they're not punk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and they wrote about career suicide. Well, I would argue that you know, I, I mean, that's just something I've heard that they do. <laughs> I would I would argue that career suicide now, given uh, Jonah's current living situation, is more like a, a sea shanty band. You know, Jonah living on the water. <laughs> Does he gone back to living on the water like like he did when he was a teenager? Oh, you don't know. Jonah, kayaking Jonah, adventures. We gotta have Jonah back for his part two soon because Jonah currently lives on a boat in England, in in the in um, one of the uh, yes rivers, which is not what Dave is making reference to, but close enough in 2016, 2017. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, let's get off Jonah's living. But he situation. clearly has an affinity for the water. He loves the yes. water. Yeah, he loves the water. He canoes. He loves canoeing. Now he loves uh, living it. All the time, twenty four seven. All right. <laughs> yeah. Let's. Uh, I guess All now right. we can dive into the episode. But anyway, that's amazing that Chris was I got to shout out by NPR and check out that new record and it's it's incredible. And also check out that seven inch because I hear they have uh, some snazzy guest vocalists on it too. Um, now <laughs> on to this week's episode. Uh, oh, no, we got we got to do these emails now, right? Don't we, Chris? Yeah, there's two emails. I just want to make a quick note. It's called Machine Response. Both the 7-inch and the LP are called Machine Response. One is the LP, the other EP, respectively. And the 7-inch, they release themselves. The other one's under Ranged, Go Get It, uh, and all that. Anyway, mailbag. Have they done every record? Every LP? No, first LP's on Ugly Pop, and then on Parts Unknown. <clears throat> career Suicide? Yes. Yeah. Didn't okay. they also do something on Kangaroo? Or that's just yeah. a 7-inch? First 7-inch. Oh, and then they did a picture disc on, like, uh, Wayback Records. And I think it might be a split release with some other label, too. But it's like that whole, like, sort of that whole, like, you know, same scene of people in Holland. What was the point you're trying to make, though? Because they've been on a ton of different labels. I know they were on Deranged. I thought they were the only band that has done their entire LP discography run on Deranged. But I was wrong. Ah, yeah. Um... You're right up to the first LP. Uh, the first LP uh, buffs yeah. that yeah. theory. But you know, because you are talking to two former deranged recording artists, 
mm-hmm. right now that both did LPs with said label. Yes. But we were both uh, one and done for the LPs. Ours wasn't an LP. It was a 12-inch. <laughs> Fine, nothing Dave. Nothing? <laughs> <laughs> Is, doesn't it I mean, it, an LP? I no. consider nothing an LP. <laughs> no, nothing, nothing's not underranged. Oh, it isn't. You're right. Never mind. How many songs you know, are on the range record? Like 12, maybe? I guess it's a full-length LP. Yeah, it's just 12 songs. I mean, you, you're just talking about the actual length of the record. Is not long enough for you to consider it an LP? I think it's a 45. It's, it's, it was definitely recorded as a 12-inch EP. You're right, because it's not considered by disc. Oh, but you, you did your discogs. So that doesn't count. Because no, but I don't do I that. I think most people consider it an LP. I would have thought most people consider it an LP. No, a 12-inch. Uh, no. no I, I didn't do that for Discogs. <laughs> you that, was, that was done by someone else. Um, I still have my test press of this record. I, I, I do not. <laughs> well, I think I, you have the same ver- <laughs> How do you not have a test press? There was like 100 of them, weren't there? Because I sold all of my Teradop priorities. Oh, Oh, you died. Or, you know, I even gave away a Zero to Suicidal, just like my only copy, just as a, someone who's like, oh, I, was, I always wanted one of those. And I, someone who I met that day, I went and I gave it to him the next day. Okay. You know, not even like a, just paying it forward. Wow. Look at that. I, I, I lived it's it. Fun, it's you funny know? that you mentioned that because I was going to send you a photo of that today because I was cleaning records in my house. Mm-hmm. And I came across that one and I was like, going to send you the photo and just put the question, because that's the one with the glass in it, right? I'm thinking of the oh, right yeah. one. Yep. Yeah, because it was going to say, like, who puts glass in a record? How did you get uh, that, Chris? I got it from you. Not from me. Yeah, from no, you. No, not Zero Suicidal, no, because that's the one that I've always wanted, and fucking Josh had it because we got turned down by fucking David up from ordering three <laughs> copies when Dave, Mike, and I tried to all order it together. Yeah. But I didn't do mail order. Well, whoever did, Andy and would be. It would be Ernie. Did you try to order from the band? I thought we were. I, oh, was it? Did Ernie put? Oh, they then. Then I, I guess my the label is, who because we didn't do like rec like mail order other than like the demo. Okay, well, I think Josh. Other than that, Josh yeah. did the. I don't know who turned us down, but uh, <laughs> I guess I guess Ernie from uh, from Uncle Slam Lights Records. Off. Yeah, uh, deserves uh, a, 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 a this rant from me right now. Yeah. But no, that's the one. <laughs> You definitely didn't get it from me, Chris. I don't know where you got that from, but I've been looking for that. I don't know where I did then because I could have swore I got it from you, but nope. I have it, and I'm happy to have it. But uh, I always I had to put my own like cardboard cover inside so it doesn't ruin yep. any record around it. Yep. And, uh, yeah. I, was I always kept it, at the, I kept it at the back. you got to keep it at the back or the front, but either way. Mm. Anyway. Yeah, that's the only record I can think of with broken glass attached to it. I can think of yeah. other glass-covered records, because Felix Von Havoc went through a thing of doing glass-covered sleeves for a while. He was just going through the various... Uh, Mediums. You know, the wood cover, the metal cover, yeah. So the most ridiculous... <laughs> like, people will look back on that era for nothing else but uh, than the ridiculous uh, Havoc rarities that, you know... Yeah. Like the glass-covered spitting T7-inch that I got at Chicago Fest... With the tear it up record with the knife. What? I don't know one. What record's that one? The the whatever fest version of of uh, taking you down with me came with came a with knife. A, yeah, like just total <laughs> like he went to like a goodwill and just got like 
a ton of like just weird knives and like like oh steak God. knives and like yeah wow yeah they were a fest that we we didn't play because that record came out after we broke up but yeah they were uh, <laughs> yeah it was a whole bunch. jeez that is I the did. most ridiculous uh, n- uh, novelty collectible record I've ever heard about yeah it's up there for sure <laughs> there's a dystopia record that came with a razor blade in it yeah. And uh, I feel like another record. I, I know that. Oh, the Career Suicide I, demos. I, I mean, they, sorry, the uh, the pre Career Suicide band, the. Uh, the Board of Education. Board of Education demo came with razor blades yeah. in it. I'm sure many bands did razor blades, to be honest. I'm sure that's probably been a thing for a lot of bands, but. That was that Striking Distance record that came with a bullet? Oh, I, oh. I have my sleeve that's been shot up, and I don't have the bullet with it. Yeah, there was something that came with a bullet. Jeez. All, the, all these, all these things I don't think would fly in 2016. Yeah, <laughs> sending people bullets in the mail. <laughs> uh, um, but I guess we should dive into uh, the mailbag now for these mail. two mail items. Yes. So, do you want to take it? Or you want me to read it? Why don't you go first, buddy? All right. The subject is Steve Aoki, Skrillex, and other former punk EDM artists from Max W. And uh, this gentleman writes in, I recently went to a Gorilla Biscuits secret show in Hollywood hosted by none other than Stevie Aoki. Yeah, the DJ who throws cakes at people. Also label head of DIMAC, which we've all noted on the show here. Uh, before the show, Steve gave this speech about how important this band was and how it changed his life, his views, the people he hung out with, etc. He also apparently has a giant Gorilla Biscuits tattoo which is sick as fuck, this person writes. Uh, anyway, the show started, the crowd split into half hardcore punks, half EDM Hollywood types who quickly left when the pit opened up. Gorilla Biscuits also kicked ass. Steve even gave out t-shirts that had the, the Gorilla Biscuits head with Steve Aoki's haircut. Weird as shit. And then he notes, uh, I was wondering if any other artists from the EDM scene that have this background and if you would be willing to have them on your show... I know Skrillex used to sing in a hardcore band, and I personally would love to hear an interview with Stevie Oki about his love for hardcore slash punk music. Take it, Damien. Okay, this allows us to hit so many points at once. It allows me to yes. promote the upcoming uh, Turned Out of Punk Live in New York episode where Walter Schreifels talks about the Stevie Oki show that they just played. Uh, yeah. And also goes into some detail about why Steve Aoki's relationship with him is so so weird. Um, <laughs> uh, but also, yeah, I've seen that tattoo. And as far as I remember, it's not actually that big. It's about, uh, I don't know, it's a GB logo. And I remember it being, you know, kind of like, I don't know, lower back area. And about the size of, like, uh, the diameter of a can of Coke, I guess. Say yeah, the, the so, person doesn't so like, have, a, like a tramp stamp. Like, <laughs> I was going to avoid sort of lower back area. <laughs> that's how. That's why avoid it. <laughs> that's going to be where the, what it was, but uh, he uh, he did have uh, that as far as I remember, but I don't know for sure. And uh, yeah, Steve Aoki played in um, this machine kills and uh, ran uh, Esperanza. Was, Esperanza, and what was his what was his uh, house called? The pickle patch. Uh, pickle patch. Pickle patch house. And yeah. he has put out many, many former guest bands. Well, only really one that I can think of. He's definitely put out Casey's band, Yafet Kodo. And he's put out, uh, like, lots of other stuff. But, yeah, he's a total hardcore kid. Um, I guess the other one that really jumps to mind immediately is Moby. 
Um, yeah. Who I would love to have on the show. Gotten to interview him recently for some other thing that I'm doing. And it was a pretty fun conversation uh, about him, like, you know, harassing members of Mission of Burma and, you know, playing in the Vatican Commandos and things like that. And also, he still stands by the fact that he did, in fact, play in Flipper, which is, uh, I think that's brought up on this week's episode, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah it did. It, it, it was, yes. Um, so, and then there's also uh, the, I'm trying to think of some other ones, but, uh, uh, well, I guess Mastercraft. Obviously, Jesse Keeler, Chris O'Toole's friend. Um, yeah. Chris O'Toole went on tour with him. And uh, he played in Standing Eight and Crimson Curse. Curse. Or Crimson Curse, pardon me. Yeah, not, not, not the not Curse. Curse, yeah. Or not Curse, but the Crimson Curse. Oh, is that one of those Is that, um, is that one of those ones without any uh, vowels? Uh, no, Death, Crimson. Death from Above 1979 or Crimson Curse? No, no, Mastercraft or Oh, yeah, Mastercraft yeah. has no vowels, yes. Correct. Yeah, okay. It's also a reference <laughs> to the Canadian store brand of our Canadian Tire beloved chain. Yes. It's a very hoser reference. Very for hoser people. reference. Very, very hoser reference. Um, but they, they, of course, have some ties. And then the one that I find most surprising that I just learned about recently-ish is, of course, Bass Nectar who is one of the biggest DJs in the world right now and used to play in a 625 band. And I've been trying to figure out which band it is, but I can't so, remember which one And looking for, at a, a reliable news source, Wikipedia, yeah. um, <laughs> it referenced that he was a touring member of Exhumed. Wow. I think he played in... Which a, is the, and they were on 625. Yes. But then he actually played in like another band on 625 as well that had a record, a split. But that was I mean, like if you want if you want to go through the six two five cattle discography and figure that out. <laughs> Fuck, I know that's the hard part right now. But like the, the best stories I heard is he rolled up to some music conference and was like, "I just rolled over here listening to Spaz, the Spaz discography, or something." <laughs> yeah, and it's like this dude. As one does. Yeah, I'm on his website. It looks pretty sick. There's like a astronaut with a giant eyeball and it looks like dragonfly wings. <laughs> Beams of light coming towards me right now, um, but I would fucking love to have uh, someone from like sort of the Barrier Six Two Five Tagger Metal type scene on this show, a hundred percent. Yeah, can you get like Mouse or one of those dystopia guys on here? Well, I would love to. Yeah, uh, or, or someone from No Less. Or there's like that. That scene is there's that whole area is rich of rich with people that I would love to have on the show, but. As far as back to people from the EDM-ish scene, Bass Nectar. And I think that's the ones that just jumped in my head immediately. I know there's tons more that I'm forgetting. Bob Mould, of course, did a dance music record at a certain point. Um, and, um, uh, you know, there's other stuff I'm sure I'm forgetting. Oh, the uh, uh, another bunch of producers, too. There's another producer that's kind of big that was a punk person. Oh, Diplo. Yeah. Diplo was there. What did he do in punk and hardcore? Uh, uh, he was like a Florida hardcore kid, a punk, punk kid in uh -huh. high school. I think he was also just like a general, like into music kind of kid in high school. And probably just a, you know, judging from the fact that he's a pretty good looking person, probably a pretty popular person in high school, I would imagine. But he definitely, you know, can hang with punk stuff and, and reps, you know, bands and, and can kind of talk about bands. I've, I, he yeah. Didn't, he said he wants to come on the show. We were supposed to have it happen. It fell through. And then since he started dating Katy Perry, I don't know. For some reason, he hasn't been returning my texts. 
<laughs> Go figure. <laughs> well, you could be like that annoying friend where you have to like text her to be like, "Hey, how come he's not texting me yeah. back?" And then you know. I'll just tweet at her again. That went so well yeah. the first time. Um, <laughs> uh, there's a lot, I think there's a lot of bleed over on this topic because it just depends on what is considered like EDM. You could even think of things like uh, like Cold Cave or something yeah. if you wanted to get real whatever down to that whole thing but anyway and also respectfully uh skrillex was never in a hardcore band but Uh they did jack a hardcore band recently and former guest when they jacked uh culture abuses uh album cover for their new uh, single i don't i'm not aware of any of this okay it's it's insane so the culture abuse album is a peach colored background with a peach kind of half covered by a chain link fence, right? Okay. The new From First to Last cover is a peach album cover with a peach, kind of at the same angle, very the exact same color scheme, but wrapped in barbed wire, as opposed to obscured by a, a chain link fence. But what, were the people involved in those groups involved in making the artwork, or is it just the same kind of... Uh, well, I imagine, device? Yeah, it's a designer, whoever it was. I don't think it was probably Skrillex <laughs> himself, like... Staying up late with an exacto knife, scanning images into to you know Photoshop. Yeah. Um, so either way. But yeah, so there you go. You know, as in the words of Cameron, Swagger Jacker. <laughs> <laughs> Have you talked to California Davy California for com- comment on this? Uh, yeah, there you go. He's been he's been going uh, pretty in. He's been going as hardcore as Rancid two thousand and one. Uh, on this on Twitter and social media. So the the best hardcore. The best. <laughs> okay. Do we want to get to the next email here? Well, let's get to the next email. Okay. Do you want to read it or do you want me to go? Uh, you can go. All right. Subject to the heckle heard around the world uh, by, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to botch this name hardcore, but I'm going to try and get it. Not Nashton, Nashton. Pardon me. There's no T. Yeah, I was Nashen Nashen R. R. Yeah. Anyway, um, and also message. off the top, thank you for sending this in. This is awesome. Yeah, this is a great message. Uh, reaching out to you guys first. Thanks you for the great podcast. Uh, as a convert, hardcore kid, now adult, husband, father, educator, your podcast keeps you rooted in the revolutionary spirit of punk slash hardcore. Thanks. Uh, the Terry T interview and subsequent footnote episode jogged a memory of the uncut footage of the Nirvana Unplugged show. Hearing Terry's recollection of the event and your further commentary reminded me of hearing said heckle in the raw footage that had circulated. My bootleg VHS copy of, <laughs> of the uncut Unplugged show came from the uh, illustrious Malcolm Tent of Trash American Style. Nice shout-out. Uh, in Danbury, Connecticut. He's got everything in brackets. Uh, at the moment, I do not have access to my copy, so I searched YouTube and surprisingly was unable to find it, probably copyright issues. But I did find it hosted on a Chinese video site in not the best quality at around six, uh, whatever, an hour in. Uh, before the historic show-stopping last song of the night, you can make out Terry's infamous heckle from the crowd. You can certainly hear Dave Grohl chuckle and repeat the Jeremy request into his mic. <laughs> Followed by Kurt Cobain swiveling in his chair to eyeball Dave. Kurt gives a <laughs> guffaw of his own while trying to intro the last song. 
then, uh, this is then followed by more folks in the crowd goofing on it. Punk rock indeed. I wish it had better quality, but here it is. And uh, are we putting this up on the uh, on the foot? On yeah, the we'll Facebook? put this up on the Facebook page. <laughs> it's like you know, click at your own risk. Um, but my gosh, it is awesome. That has been, of course, forwarded on to the appropriate people. So thank you once again for sending that in. The power yeah, of this podcast never ceases to amaze me. How because she was unaware of this footage existing. Yeah, that is that's incredible. Yeah. Um, and it is, it's awesome. It's so awesome. Terry fucking rules. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, uh, actually Dave Martin, are you Pearl Jam or Nirvana? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I, I, I can't even describe how much I hated Pearl Jam. <laughs> uh, I mean, I just, I was so, so into Mud Honey, and Pearl Jam to me were the exact opposite, you know, and I, I hated them with a passion. And, you know, I guess probably about five or six years ago, one day I was just like, oh, I'm, I'm done hating them. I mean, not their music, of course, but like, from what I understand, <laughs> they couldn't be nicer, fully functioning humans, like totally great. Um, I mean, I have no desire to listen to them, but I have, I, I bear them no, no ill will. I nearly had Jeff on the podcast, but it never happened. Uh, be great. It would be fucking incredible. Because he has made a lot of good music as well. He has definitely made some incredible music. And also, I would say, like, much in the way of Generation X breaking up and, like, half the band becoming one thing and the other half becoming something completely different, they kind of do that in the same way, you know? Like, Generation X, of course, becomes Billy Idol on one half and Empire on the other half, and which is, once again, ties back to DC when you talk about Empire. Because, um, of course, that's the, the genesis for that whole other sound that DC goes down at a certain point. But, like, you know, kind of the, kind of the same way. Like, half, half the band becomes uh, Pearl Jam, the other half becomes Mud Honey from Green River. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll go Mud Honey on that one. Yeah, I'll go Mud Honey, too, probably, <laughs> if I, like, you know. But, yo, even Flow, much in the same way Homies and much in the same way Touch of Grey are six songs, is a six song. <laughs> Great. Disagree on all. Of I, yeah, I'm I'm with Chris there. I mean, much they're much the same. Yeah, all awful. <laughs> you guys, you gotta you gotta take one song from every band. You're allowed one song from every band. That's okay. No, that's not true. I think that's okay. That's how I it, appreciate that you feel so that you, way. But I disagree. So, so that theory would mean that there's like a S- Smashing Pumpkins song that is good, there or be. a Stone Temple Pilots song, that's good. <laughs> and that's just not true. Definitely a Stone Temple Pilots song. True. There's definitely somewhere a Stone Temple Pilots song. I'm willing to bet if we went through every single Stone Temple Pilots song, because I, for a minute, liked Stone Temple Pilots as a young person, like around the age of twelve or thirteen. And I remember there being a couple tracks, so I think if I went back, no, I could no. probably find I think no. I think you're not no. giving polarizing enough examples. I think by Dan's <laughs> rationale, you use Limp Biscuit and you use Nickelback and whatever other garbage like I that. I bet you there's like some Nickelback Zero. song on like a deep Zero. cut B-side that sounds nope. like I Got a Right by the Stooges. <laughs> I might. <laughs> 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 you know what? 
you by all means should definitely investigate further. <laughs> well, you know, I'm not saying I'm the the scientist. I'm 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 you know kind of busy right now. But other people should try this. I think there there's probably a song out there, like you know, that's the, there's the homies, Nickelback's homies. Oh, good lord. I've never heard this homie song, but I don't think I, I, that I know either. It's so bad. It's so bad. Kind of good. I'm oh. internally trying to decide if I like Stoneville Pilots or Pearl Jam more. Like it's Ooh. a it's it's a not one that I'm like really choose. You know, it's a, a lesser of two evils, I guess. Yeah, no, like Stoneville, like, but that's the thing though is like, it's like saying, do you like the Killers more than the Strokes? It's, of course, you like the Strokes more than the Killers because like. That's the band that had the sound that the other band was like, oh, we can do something just like that. You know, like. What? You're using they're the both wrong. awful. They're both I'm not, awful. I'm Stop. Not with you, in that either. you don't like the strokes at all, Chris? O'Toole? I don't. They're like, no, I have no beef, but I just mean, like, that comparison. Because like, yeah, awesome. there is no beef. They're beefless. They're. <laughs> there's Yo, nothing. They, no, there. no, no. Here's my theory proven with the strokes New York City cops. That's their touch of gray homies, and uh, you know. <laughs> you have, you, Damien. You do have the greatest stroke story in the history of stroke stories. I to be I've, fair, I've definitely told that on this show. You have, and yeah. it's amazing. And I don't remember what episode it was on. I wish I could cite it because people have to hear it. If not, but, um, but yeah, I don't know. I I don't have any like major objections. I just think those two examples. It, you're you're kind of choosing like it should be. Uh, I don't know a different a different band for the Strokes. I don't know what it would be. Okay. I, the one I always use is Libertines because Libertines are way better than the Strokes, a hundred percent. Yeah, but that's like that would be like Libertines are the Stone Temple Pilots of the Strokes. This is the Pearl Jam. <laughs> no, they're not. The Strokes Libertines Pearl Jam. Are the Nirvana. What? what? Libertines are the Nirvana. Hundred okay. percent. That's getting now we're getting crazy. This has taken a horrible turn. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's get to the show. <laughs> If we say the word libertines too many times, we're going to give Dave Martin a flashback. So let's move on. <laughs> Either way. Um, let's move on to... Uh, that was an amazing email. Thank you for sending that in. I guess we're going to dive in now. Yeah. I think one of the Daves should start with their points uh, here. We have we, we put David ups for the outline here that Damien and I are looking at, which I'm sure Dave Martin also sees. But, uh, I am looking at it. Nice. So that's what we're working off to an extent because Dave did such a great – David Up did such a great job. Pardon me. Yes. Um, but, uh, you know, whatever – I don't know. It's up to Dame here, I guess. But whatever you guys want to roll on, I'm good with. I'm, I'm, yeah, take, someone take it. Sorry, I have to pull up my own email. Uh. <laughs> First, really quick before we get in, um, in the Boston episode, I think last week we failed to mention I cannot remember. I believe we did. That Jeff McDonald brought you out the Grand Royal magazine. Yes, or did Jeff we... McDonald. Thank you for setting bringing that in, and thank you for coming out in Boston too. By the yeah. way, also it was great to meet yeah, you. And he had and... Ten... Yeah, uh, I'm curious if I want to like open like 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 tidbit doors or open like doors that'll elicit a lot of back conversation. Like, <laughs> well, like either, right? Like, like was... do you want to bring up like split twelve inches? Well, then open that door. We should definitely or open that door. To... We should definitely open okay. that door before, like, because that seems like almost the way you've laid out these points. I think we can blow through these other points pretty quick, and then that'll be the that's the the juice. 
for the Jason. Okay. Uh, first of all, uh, I guess Chris and I will give our, our basic rundown of going to D.C. So mm-hmm. we went from Boston, got up at, at Josh Kander's place, got in the car, drove. Did we have breakfast that morning, Chris? No, we just got on the road, nope. right? Yep. We didn't eat at all that day or some crazy shit. Not even Waffle House in, in preparation? <laughs> no. No, we yeah. just hit the road running. And uh, we we drove – well, we drove. Chris drove all day. <laughs> it was like yeah. – like, like, like forever. It took for fucking ever. It's far. It, it was a great, great drive though. It was yeah. one of my better tour drives ever. I Not, not, a, not my ability necessarily but just in my – it's like the weather was perfect. It was sick. Anyway, and yeah. then uh, yeah, we didn't eat though. I'm pretty sure because we get to DC and I remember being really hungry. Anyway, yeah, we got to DC um, and we just had to go kind of straight to the show. Luckily, it was at the Black Cat and there is catering there, so we got food. <laughs> and and Chris looked pretty faint at that point, so I'm glad he got to eat. Uh, and it was and it was awesome. We got to go. You know, being in DC. Uh, unfortunately, it was also the HR documentary night where HR decided that he was going to give some incredible confessional conversation, um, which Alec Mackay was there to witness, of course, as he brings up on this podcast. But, you know, we still had a great time, and I, I had an amazing kind of, you know, experience there. Chris, how about yourself? Yeah, agreed. Uh, I really, I think, first of all, real quick, just to shout out Black Hat, I think the club was great. Yeah. Uh, uh, of course, Dante interviewed is responsible for it, I believe. Yeah. And uh, they treated us very well, and the room was awesome. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just had a really good time. It was my first time in D.C., as I mentioned, so it was uh, a little overwhelming at points, being that it was, like, the greatest first <laughs> introduction to a city ever. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was it was cool. It was – we were up against what Dave mentioned, though, so I don't know if that affected anything ultimately, but we still had a great time and had a good turnout and all that. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, like, I've been to D.C. now – God. 10 times, 15 times. That was the best time I've ever been there. Like, yeah, it was, it was pretty so fun. And uh, yeah. I guess we'll get to our Discord house hang at the end of the show. But uh, yeah, yeah. But we should dive into the, the meat of the show first. Yes. Um, so, um, so let's go. as well, again, shout out real quick Vinyl Conflict attended. I can't remember. I want to, I can't remember the gentleman's name. But anyway, he brought us records, and that was really cool. So shout out to them too. But yeah, start with the point here or whatever. Uh, yeah, I guess we should dive right in. Uh, first points first, and I guess the first point uh, I would want to make. Uh, well, I guess, why don't we take it? Why were you going to take it, Dave? Right? Me? Yeah. You're what do you want to just go in order? Yeah, or well, do you want to just jump around? Well, why don't we go in order? Yeah, you're right. Let's go in order. So first point is re- relating I'm- with norms. And the difficulty yeah. of relating to the <laughs> uh, Jason Hammacher is one of the funniest people in the world, by the way, I'll say also at the top. Yeah, he was, he was great. But, I mean, I think this will, you know, I'm not someone who's, like, even of any, you know, major caliber in, in the, the touring or rock world. But I think just even, like, as a, a spectator in, in the, like, the punk hardcore world, you, you do things like driving four hours to, like, go see things or, like, have friends that live in like other states and then you'll like have a, a like just some job where you'll work with someone who's like like i i i lived in new jersey and, and worked with someone who'd like been to new york like twice and it's like <laughs> it's like uh, i go to I'll, I'll go to new york to like 
to like eat. I've gone to New York to like just wander around with like a boombox and like be punk. You know, like I've <laughs> gone to New York for like nothing. Yeah, I think that's so. You know, the idea of being like, oh yeah, yeah, like. Yeah. I don't think for me it's a band thing at all. Like I think it's just yeah. like one. It's just like uh, and maybe it's not just a punk thing. Maybe it's just a subcultural thing because I can imagine being a metalhead or probably even being like. Like a swing kid. I don't mean in the band, the swing kids, but I mean not like, the band. No, no, yeah. no. But being like an actual swing kid, like being in a swing music, could be the same way. Where you're like, it's just like the there's people that just it's just like wow, they're just not into stuff. And then like if you're into stuff, it must be it's like really weird to relate to people that aren't into stuff. Yeah, I mean it's the same way that like if you dealt with like peep, you know, coworkers or peers. And they're, you know, you at some point, if you, like, really were hard up for money, you have, like, boxes just filled with money, ultimately, that you could sell if you wanted to, like, sell records. Whereas if you weren't collecting records, like, what did you use your money for? Uh, probably, like, investments and, like, you know, bank savings and, like, you know, <laughs> real shit. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think that's, like, a, a big difference in, in norms, like, I guess, is, like, what do you, you know... I, I don't know. I, I To me, it's it's, it's the, the broader picture of, like, the world, whether, you know, whether it be having people, like, friends from all over the place or, like, traveling, you know, because, you know, even before I was in bands, like, I drove across the country to, like, see bands. Yeah, absolutely. Like, that, that's the thing. I drove more probably to see bands before I played in a band. Mm. Um, and like, yeah, like I, I, I just, you know, and also just like, yeah, like you said, having friends, I remember the first time, uh, one of the first ones went to California. Granted, I was sneaking across to play with my band, but the guy at the border's like, what are you doing in California? And I'm like, oh, I'm going to go stay with my friend, John Westbrook. And he's like, how do you know him? I'm like, uh, like, you know, you can't say from hardcore. So I'm like, just like from the internet. And then the, yeah. <laughs> the border guard asked if he was my lover, and uh-huh. and then I said no. I know him because I collect records and trade records with him. And then the guy let me through with some really weird looks afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's it's definitely uh, you know it's unrelatable for like you know, but but like you know it's it's not like John Sweatpants. You know, on this episode, I knew him from you know the internet before I ever met him. Years before I ever met him. You know, yeah. I knew of him on the internet. Definitely. I still don't even know David up at all. Yeah. <laughs> you guys have never met in person. Exactly. A perfect example. Yeah. But, uh, and that's friend. why norms are inferior. That's why norms are inferior. <laughs> well said. Remember when, yeah. Do you remember when the Vivian girls said that in an interview and they got in so much shit? I feel like at that time, whatever they said, that it was just like... You know, it was a pile people were ready to attack them. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah they, they got it kind of like the worst at a point when also people weren't really calling people on shit like they are now. So it was kind of like they were just kind of like fighting them these battles with all themselves. You know, like now if people... Yeah, yeah I mean, it seems like a real like weird thing to defend, too. Because like, also, you feel like the term norm must be really inside. Like, do people identify as norms yeah i'm offended (laughs) as a normal yeah how am i unrelatable (laughs) yeah i mean that that's the thing you know like if you know well i feel like you it's weird i've definitely used the term norm in front of like people's like norm you know boyfriend or girlfriend and just like well 
You're cool, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but it goes back because Billy Corgan says that he knows. It's like Dave was talking about Smashing Pumpkins. You know, Billy Corgan's the guy saying right now that he knows these common people. You know, he knows these regular people. He knows these normal people. And so that's probably why we don't like his music because it's for normal people. <laughs> yeah. There's there's so many more reasons why. We don't. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, that's true. It's <laughs> but fair point. I like that. I like the talking point as being this. I did not expect this to come up as discussion post show. To be fair, but it's good. Well, if you were a grunge slash sort of mainstream alternative, uh, pop alternative, which is like which is a, like a, a, a you know a contradiction in terms. But that's what like. But if you were like a pop alternative artist, that's what I mean when I say pop punk, as we will talk about later on in the show. Uh, but like, I mean, a popular alternative artist, and you didn't have some root and punk like people in Pearl Jam, I'm not going to trust you ever. <laughs> See, this will this will be weirdly like polarizing. But like, when I was young, I feel like you were either like just a norm, like into sports. You were into heavy metal or you were into rap. And I feel like, you know, that's just, if you were not a, ki- a child of heavy metal, like, I was like, I just don't get you. Like, it yeah. just didn't make sense to me to not, like, have that up- upbringing. But, uh, you know. I relate you know. very much with Dave on that point yeah. very much. Yeah. Like, you, know, like oh, if you, if, you know, if, if you're with someone and they don't know something about, like, something, it's not even, like, deep cut heavy metal, but, like, really, like, popular like going gold type of heavy metal it's like oh come on you should at least know what this is just from being alive but yeah yeah Yeah. i find that still with punk you know like if you were in high school and you weren't into rap or punk or metal it's like what was what was wrong with you like what were you (laughs) into because like i knew people like that in school and they were not people i want to hang out with as an adult no no they were into like grades i guess Garage of grades in some cases, and like terrible other shit in other cases. I don't know. Um, anyway, uh, but let's uh, get back into my scar childhood again, and move on to uh, the next point that you had here, which is: uh, is it tidy whitey or whitey tidy? I think it's tidy whitey. It's correct. It's tidy whitey. Yeah, he I says whitey. Too. Sorry, go on. He said whitey tidy, and I that I, it warranted me writing it down. Well, so, he, uh, he, was, it, I he also when made. He said it. I remember it sounding weird. Well, he also made another mistake too, because uh, Eric uh, Z has written in uh, on my Facebook page or my sorry my Instagram page to let me know that he also totally messed up the singers of Jihad. Oration of Aaron in Ottawa, but I think that might have been like a flub that he made with the Ottawa yeah, Jihad yeah. thing. Like I think he switched up the names at some point by accident when I listened back to it. But, yeah. but still, by the way, greatest slam in the history. That is the greatest heckle. Like Terry T, much respect for the Jeremy disc and definitely the biggest band to do it on. But yo, Mark McCoy is the king of burns for that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, too real. Too real that was insane like there are definitely like we all know and this leads into the next point i guess we're going to make we're going to skip over the tribute comps and the and, and the other thing to get to i guess the best split 12 inches but but the best split 12 inches from the 90s tend to be one-sided affairs you know i so Except i was trying tri- to make you go 
No, you go on. Go on. Sorry. I, while sitting there with my girlfriend, I'm sitting there with a note on my phone, just trying to come up with split twelve inches. Just and like not even trying to be like, what's the greatest ones? Like, what's just you know? I came up with a, a a list of a whole bunch by ninety eighties, nineties, and the two thousands, and many are uh, one sided, so to speak. Um, but I can go through, just throw some out there. These are in absolutely no order. Okay. Yeah, uh, do it. Um, for the 80 section, I had uh, obviously Void Faith. Yep. Uh, Larm Stance. If you want to go Larum, you can. Uh, Heresy Concrete Socks. Doom No Security. Chaos UK Extreme Noise Terror. And Big Boys Dicks. Um, Ooh. So there's some. I've never heard that yeah. one. Who, what's that split? Big boys dicks. It's live. Oh yeah. So you it's, so it's it's. I put honorable mention. Like you feel like you have to have it there, but it's like it's not your favorite material either because it's live. No, but um, it is. It is like the also. Isn't that considered like one of the first Texas punk things too, or like one of the not the first, but the first. It's Texas pretty early. LP. Yeah. Uh, I think the big boys LP is before it. No, the seven uh, inches definitely towel? before yeah. it. Is where's my towel before it too? I believe so. Oh, I stand corrected. Check the internet, but I think where's my towels before it. It's uh, live. It's called recorded live. Mm, no, sorry. Yeah, it's it should be eighty, and then where's my towel is eighty one. Oh, oh, okay. oh, I'm wrong. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, like, um, and that's also one of the first rare records I ever bought on eBay. Or like rare records. Now I see it's for sale for ten bucks. So, you know, goes doesn't always appreciate everyone. <laughs> that can't be that can't be a real one. Ten bucks. I, I think that's actually you're right. That's probably the seven inches on selfless. Uh, oh my god! Yeah, because the only one that's real on there is two twenty nine. Yeah, what? it's like it's it's real life pricing, Dave. If you just scroll down. Ay ay ay. I'm just wondering who comes up. So if you're going one-sided, who takes the one-sided on that? Uh, that Big Boys Dicks? Yeah, it I know who count. does me, but... No, I, I'm just... Yeah, that one, I'm, oh. I'm not going to dispute it. But, that you know, it's not it's not Void Faith. But, no, yeah, you know. yeah. no it, it, but also, I mean, I say it doesn't count. Like, I can't. I don't think you can say, like, one side versus the other. There's also another split live 12 inch that I think super fucking awesome, and that's the Coliera split. I'm trying to remember... Who oh, it. yeah. Uh, the Brazilian... Yeah. yeah, they did a split. It might with 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 RDP, but anyway, fantastic record. Uh, yeah, with RDP. Yeah, it's RDP. And it's eighty-five. One, yeah, and it's one of their first uh, records as well. Also live. Um, fucking fun. Fucking awesome to listen to. Uh, I'm trying to think of others. Eighty. Right, you want nineties? Yeah, let's go nineties. There wasn't that many eighties ones. Nineties. Uh, this is also in no order. Uh, Bikini Kill, Huggy Bear. Antichism, Subvert, Filth Blats, uh, Devoid of Faith, Voorhees, just tail end, uh, Crudo, Spitboy, Asira Was Gone, Union of Uranus, uh, Chaos UK, Deathside, which is kind of a, a, a doesn't count, it was, it was a CD. Yeah, CD. Yeah. Um, Capitalist Casualties, Man, yeah, Casualty, Man is the Bastard, and uh, Totalitar, Disc Machine. Totalitar, spoiler, also make it into the 2000s list. Yeah. Well, Totalitar is um, definitely a band uh, that... Those are my 90s I came up with. Totalitar as a band has appreciated so much. Like they're they're like a lot as band. Like they've been ascended in the current era of punk to to the next echelon, I believe. I mean, I think Totalitar 
started off great. I, I, I think they're weirdly, I think their, their biggest flub might be like their second single. They had one seven inch that was kind of not great, but then they just went right back into it. Um, the one that was on like Looney Tunes, it's either the second one or the third one wasn't great, but, um, I, you know, like as far as someone who doesn't collect records, I, I bought a Totalitar 7-inch re- rather recently because I never had an original of the first 7-inch. And I'm like, I, 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 should, I still want this. And I filled that hole. Good move. They definitely yeah. stuck around the longest, you know, like 89 till now, right? Yeah. It's fucking crazy. Yeah, I mean, the 7-inch the might be 87. I'm, I didn't, like, like look it? it up. But I feel like it's even earlier than 89. I know I've got one from 89, so maybe I don't have that first one. Wow, that yeah. is crazy. Oh, they, oh. But they have definitely, like, you know, but I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're a band now that people talk about with a reverence that was not spoken about them, you know, in the early 2000s. But I think, well, I mean, they were doing records on Prank that, you know, that Klaas and Ross, yeah, not sick. how you say it, I think is, is so good. Yeah, it's sick. Um, I think that one of the things with them, it says according to according to Discogs, they formed in eighty four, eighty five. That's fucking. But crazy. Uh, their first seven inches is eighty seven, so I don't know what wow. what they were doing for that long. But uh, tapes. I mean, yeah, just tapes. But I think, you know, I don't want to totally. I feel like one of the things that they were just like weird about like playing live. Like I think the singer had like just like a lot of uh, just didn't like to play live. I mean, do you see him. I don't know if you would go to any of those like pointless fests, but they played Philly um, at like one of those festivals. I don't think I went to great. A, I didn't go to a single one of them. My my time <laughs> for fests was uh, was more the more the music era, like just before. Ah, uh, yeah, um, yeah. They, but, I wish but, I went yeah, to great. pointless fest. I remember. Do you the, have two? Sorry, do you have two K era splits too, or no? Uh, I just did. Uh, Totalitar Disclose, uh, the aforementioned Career Suicide Jed Whitey, and for my own oh. amusement, I also included the uh, Tear It Up ETA split. Oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah, because it exists. Yeah. I, um, uh, if we're going back to the 90s for the best ones, uh, it's it's funny because like the Ottawa Jihad side split debate, it's 100% Ottawa, but I love that fucking record so much. I figured I wouldn't list it since it had already come up in the episode. Yeah. It was kind of the impetus for the uh, the conversation. Where do you want to throw the acrid razor blade record? Like, you know, is that uh, it's a one sided split, hundred percent left for yeah. dead hundred percent left for dead side. But, that is. but I don't know what what size you're considering it, if it falls into twelve inch because it's big and bulky or if, if the the blades well, make it fall into you know. Dave <laughs> Dave, I'm looking at the test press right now, buddy, and it's a twelve inch. Oh, okay. <laughs> of course he is. Um, uh, but yeah, that's. I, I don't have all the Leopard Dead test presses, believe me. There's that test press of the 7 inch, which I would still love to get. And Mike Fight was in attendance at the show that night. You didn't have any with him? I didn't ask him. I should have asked him. <laughs> he probably just had him there waiting to be asked. Yeah, yeah it's like, it, <laughs> it was in my bag. If only he had asked me, I would have given it to him gladly. Nope, unfortunately not. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it would be a, a cost less because it doesn't have a sleeve. It could be like those those weird cough cools that, you know, you know what's this? Oh, it's just a dollar. Yeah, well, we heard about one of those on this episode. Yeah. Uh, 
So I guess we should uh, dive into uh, uh, another point, right? Or do you want? To, uh, do you have anything to offer on split twelve inches, Dave? Uh, no, no. I mean, you guys covered it pretty well. I mean, it's there. <laughs> the, the fact that they live on is probably the most amazing thing. I mean, they're such a bad idea. Yeah. But they're better than the you split know. seven inch. They're well, better. Yeah, but all of it is a bad idea. Put out your own <laughs> Yes. Put yes. out a one-sided record. Split seven inches, like, though, there's a lot more greatness. But once again, a lot of one-sided affairs. Yeah. Well, well no matter what, there has to be a winner. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, there's a winner. You know, so it's just, yeah, yeah. Well, the fact that they still happen is is amazing. I've I've tried. You know, Italian records seem to have like I'm trying to think of splits that don't have a winner, where both sides are equally as amazing. So you know, like, uh, like you know, like the um, the wretched indigesti split. I can't really pick a side. On that wretched. You think the rest? Yeah, yeah the rest is that's pretty good. About it. What about the uh, Hitler SS Tampex split? You know what? I don't know if I've ever heard that. I'm sure I have. It's on one of the Kill by Deaths, actually. Yeah. Um, it's a record that I've known on lists forever. What about the um, Filth Discharge? Did you ever split? get those? Uh... What about the Filth? What's that? The Filth Discharge. The Filth Discharge split. Yeah. Oh. That's that's to, got... to name super. Well, Jonas saw to, to one for sale shit. in the wild. Jonas saw one for sale in the wild recently, of the fil- of the filth discharge split. The was it just at some random uh, harbor that he was pulling up to? <laughs> he was he was pulling into <laughs> he was pulling into port at the uh, London uh, the all ages space for London record store that they have there, and it was mm-hmm. on the wall for I think three hundred or six hundred pounds. I can't remember what he said, but. Some some figure that was too rich for my blood. I'm trying to remember what it was called, but this might see if anyone get remembers these. It might have been like male murder, but it was a Finnish distro that you'd get like a catalog in the mail, and then you had to like call or like email in to see if you could reserve shit. And it was like in a like a proto internet trying like the same yeah. way you'd get like the Mike Basterick list, and you'd have to like email immediately to try to get something um there was a that's where i associate like the filth discharge and like the that uh tampax record it's just like these were in that <laughs> that that catalog always had the uh turvy cadet message 12 inch which there's like 10 of because it was actually a seven inch um and it was like 750 dollars which like in the 90s might as well have been you know two million True, like, yeah. it was bonkers money um but, you know, there's only ten of them. Well, that's yeah. like what about what about what's the mother record? That's the Finnish one, Ratos. There's like a Ratos record that got deleted or some shit, right? That has like that was um wasn't that on Ratcage? Oh, it's a Ratcage thing. You're right. That's right. Yeah. That's it. I thought there was some other weird mother thing too, like a foreign record on mother. But maybe I'm totally out of my mind on that one. I don't think those guys were like had a very international. Talent. <laughs> I don't think so either. <laughs> uh, I but that that Ratos record never came out, right? That's the whole. I, deal. I don't think I've ever. I don't think so. It was just like a test press or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'm confusing with something else. But anyway, let's uh, go to the next point. No, according to uh, according to the resource, it came out. It, it exists. The Radis LP on on yeah. There's you can buy one, one for thirty nine forty five. 
There was one record that never came out, I thought. That was like a test press only. That was like a foreign record. But anyway, I don't know what it is. There's always that weird Pusshead one. Oh, the uh, Fractricide uh, Split. I don't know. It's, some, it's a, it's it's some a like, split 12-inch. Yeah, it's a split 12-inch, but that ain't, it doesn't really exist, so it kind of doesn't count. Uh, I remember there was a, an opportunity to buy one that I had because like one of the band members was selling it, but it was like, you know... It was like something like, you know, 90s impossible money back then. Yeah. Um, so, oh, well, sorry. We got my youngest cup kid up. One sec, guys. <laughs> they, they, want, they need to talk about the fratricide record. Uh-oh. Yeah. Totally. You, have your, you have a bad dream, buddy? Okay, you want to get in bed with mommy? Okay. Just go lie in bed with mommy. I'll take, I'll take you out and put you in your own bed in a little bit. Okay, buddy? Okay. Hey, don't worry. I got your bad dreams. I'm taking away. Okay, right now? Sounds a lot like a cat. I think I call bullshit on this story. <laughs> Imagine I didn't have kids; it was just cats. No, no. Yeah. Mr. Pickles Keith also. Keith Morris would be. Keith Morris would be so disappointed. Keith Morris would be very <laughs> bummed out. Keith Morris has been commenting on fake cat photos the entire time. <laughs> a weird reveal. Um, let's. Uh, that's what I, I hope my kids like punk because I think they'll get a kick out of the fact that Keith has commented on so many photos of them over the years. Yeah. <laughs> if not, if they don't like, does he really? Yeah, like he always. Like, anytime Lauren posts a photo, he's like, you know, he's like, they look adorable, or you know, it's awesome. I've got a video of. Oh, Holden. I thought that was like I thought Dave. Okay. No, I've got a whole, I've got a video of Holden and Keith dancing to the Descendants. I think at a uh, at a show one time, like years ago. It's like you know. Nice. We're, we're, we're digressing. We're digressing. Okay, next point. Next point. All right. Let's let's get back into. Uh, I think we're I think we're done there. Do we have anything else we want to talk about as far as like tribute comps? Are there tribute comps? Are there good ones out there? No. That's the yeah. No. There's no. I mean, it's it's something that should should have never existed. I mean, I guess it was. The first one was like, oh, that's crazy. Oh, what a wacky idea. And then, like, every single other one, <laughs> it's a horrible idea. Agreed. I, I, I refer to them as, like, fan base eroders. <laughs> like, as a fan of a band, you, you, you feel the pool that you need to buy it because that band you love is on it. And, and then and you have it, and you're like, oh, I'm stupid. It's... Like, the genuine question is, are there any good ones? Oh, there are there ones with good moments. Yeah. Um, but I still think that even if, you, even if you suck them all out of the world tomorrow... We, <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, in, 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 I, the, in, the, in the purging of my collection, there was not a single tribute comp, and I'm like, mm, maybe. Nope, no, no, they're all, all gone. Isn't there like yeah. one crazy and sure, Japanese you know, tribute like, to Discharge comp that I'm trying to think of that's fucking sick? Yo, the Discharged compilation, uh, that 7-inch, you just need it for the Nausea Discharge medley. Because <laughs> yeah. that thing is fucking awesome. <laughs> but uh, the rest of it, I don't remember. I don't remember a single other thing on it. But man, the Discharged 7-inch with the Nausea Why Ain't No People Bastard, Hear Nothing, See Nothing medley. Flawless. That that's the uh, <laughs> is that the that's not the one I'm thinking of though. That's the one with neurosis and stuff on it. But there's also isn't there yeah. a Japanese one? I thought maybe I'm mistaken on this one as well. 
Oh, well. I think there's hundreds of those. Yeah, I think there's an entire genre of those. Um, uh, well, yeah. There, yeah, they did a split with Totalitar. Uh, there's a couple of good songs on that punk rock jukebox compilation. That's like basically a whole tribute to. Punk. Well, are we going cover comps? Or are we going no, tribute? No, I guess comps? we have to go direct. We have to stick it to tribute like a... comps. Yeah. Yeah. And the bad idea, horrible idea. So yeah. stop everybody. Agreed. <laughs> uh, I have a. I have I'm thinking of the discharged LP is what I was thinking of, which is from '92. And the reason I thought it was Japanese because of course SDS is on it, but it's also got like concrete socks and you know uh, excrement of war and raw noise and dis uh, disasters on it and stuff. It's uh, and nausea again. So maybe it's just a repress of the. Uh, Seven inches in LP. They just, they just needed more. I, I highly recommend finding that nauseous song. It's great. Great, uh, great, great. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I guess that's it for uh, Jason. Um, Jason, incredible stories. Chris, hilarious. We, Chris, did you have a point you were trying to say? No, not for Jay. I had to, I wanted to kick off the DC talk. I think that there's a good first point I want to take to, to submit to the folks, which mm-hmm. you, you initially did, which is, is there any other city with a label that's as significant as dis- Discuss? Great point, Dave. Thank you. Uh, well, the answer I, is no. No, right? No. Like, no. Cause even, like, yeah, even there's like a lot of places where there might be like a big label, but there's like, you can usually think of a bunch of bands that weren't on that label, so it kind of ruins the point, or, you know, or they're just like, I mean, Discord's still going. And is still, you know, a looming force over that city. Yeah. But I also think that in the early years, and we kind of touched on it with a bunch of these guests that night, that it it kind of, like, wasn't reflective of the whole scene at all. Like, I would argue that Danger House is a much more reflective label of its early scene than Discord was. I don't. I don't know. I mean, dangerous. You, sure, you get a few. It, by by default, mainly just because it's uh, a little bit earlier when there weren't that many bands. Um, but like, what's the non-hardcore so band? What's forming? The, you know, like there's no non-hardcore bands what? on Discord. There's no non-hardcore bands on Discord for the first run. Like until Revolution Summer happens, it's all hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, you know, so like I like which that was fine. But I'm just saying, like, you know, it's not like it was like they were putting out like it wasn't like they have a new wave record on there or like a limp record style band. Like, you know, like it was reflective of their tastes, but it wasn't reflective mm-hmm. of D.C. at that time. It became that label. And it kind of also I think at a certain point became almost like it it, 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 it became like the Borg where it it steered the sound of the city like in a lot of ways for a long time agreed but as a counterpoint to what you're saying dame danger house lives very short yes yes obviously a flawless run but no 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 there's a flaw there's a flaw there there is yeah but like okay i'll give you a little bit wait are you gonna say the howard worth i still think that's all right like i don't think it's a flaw it's definitely a flaw but it's definitely the flaw it's like it's, it, it's nothing near the level of the rest of their catalog. Yeah, it's compared no. to the greatness, though. To be fair, no, that's yeah. definitely true. Like everything else is like a, a, a cut above, but still, like if that's your weakest link, it's all right. Well, yeah, <laughs> I no, don't. I mean, they're 
Yeah, they, they're they're uh, uh, an amazing label. It's great stuff. Absolutely, one of the most important labels in all of punk rock. Yeah, but you know, that's. I don't think the, see, I would push back with Dame on this because I would say that. I mean, it's uh, you, if you want to debate Orange County to L.A. or however you want to break that up, I think SST is more representative of that city than Danger House is. Well, that that's not, not L.A. Cool. That's not L.A., right? Like, that's a different city. Yeah. But also, I think yeah. I think SST, you know, like, it, it did put out a, a more diverse range of bands than yes. Discord did. SST did, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I agree, yeah. SST, yeah, was definitely. But does that mean it's better? Well, I don't know if it's better, like, but I just think like it, me, no. like if you if you the argument I think was, uh, uh, is there, there any other city with a label that's as significant as Discord? But I'm saying for the city, it's it's not necessarily as significant because well, it kind of became the sound. Like it wasn't. Well, uh, uh, you see, know, but what I, I think I think you're missing is that Discord still exists today yes and absolutely. their focus is still essentially the same only dc uh, i mean only dc i mean beyond you know i guess use it lungfish are from baltimore uh you, you know but like they As they have rarely too, rarely stepped outside of the city except for their split releases you know but for the most part it's just DC bands. It's just that pinpoint vision that they've never deviated from. Uh, and they don't also, they also don't really exist. Like at a, at a certain point, SST, they were, they were functioning like a real record label. They entered into the record business. Uh, and Discord has always kept that at arm's length and never cared about that. So, so there's not any label that has had the purity of vision for that amount of time. And it's just, that's it. End of discussion. Yeah, but I don't, I don't like, it's only put out records in its milieu. Like it's never like, I don't know. I think that's the difference because for me, labels that are amazing are labels like uh, Discord's incredible for, and I put out some of my favorite records of all time in the genres that it, it does at, at the specific times it does these genres. Right. But at the same time, like I yeah. look, I look at slap a ham and I'm like, dude, they were putting out sludge records. They were putting out like pop punk, pop punky ish, hardcore records. They're putting out like power violence records are putting out Melvin's records are putting out death metal records all at the same time. Like I think to me that it's is so, a more it's fascinating so, label. It's so rare well, when that works though. Like, yeah, Slapperham did succeed in that, but, like, Bovine. it's like when someone, like, books that show where it's like, I'm going to get a hardcore band, I'm going to get a pop-punk band, I'm going to get a ska band, I'm going to get an emo band. And you're like, yeah, that makes the whole show terrible. No, because <laughs> no one DC no one wants me. to sit through the other the other p- parts of it. Yeah, but DC, but like, that's oh. the thing. This isn't, this is DC. This is, like, the bands that he's leaving out of the conversation are Pussy Galore, the obsessed, like, well, okay, you know, to like, be clear, I mean, bands. Pussy Galore, they were not left out of the conversation. They opted out. They were so, you know, they were not a part of that scene. Um, and I don't think they were trying to be or desired to be. I think like, but um, also like they, you know, like there's also an amazing Dave Brocky conversation, which never got to be had about, about DC and kind of like the Discord scene 
and what kind of role it had in his early life in Death Piggy and as a young punk kid. Because I think that scene, you know, it's awesome and it's amazing and I love it. But also, it was kind of scary and kind of like dominating at the same time. You know, and, and kind of like, I guess, if you weren't part of it, you were not allowed in it. Or you felt like you weren't allowed in it. Like, you know, these guys even were talking about it. Alec and, and Dante when they were talking about the Limp Record scene and how that wasn't part of it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, they, they were kids and they created their own thing and they, you know, and it became a real thing. Um, so, you know, but... You know, and I'm sure I'm sure not every interaction they had with people was, you know, could be seen as like cool, you know, in hindsight or whatever. But essentially, I, I feel like they they have always been very open, uh, you know, and sort of learning from the past and been very open. Like, well, certainly, like, you know, they can't put out every record. Mm-hmm. And if you want your record out, put it out. And it, this isn't their fault. You know? And I'm not blaming Discord for this. But at the same time. History goes, you know, the the fact is Discord, because of the importance of the label and because of the power of the label, once again, through no fault of their own, it, it tends to eclipse uh, a larger music story at times in the city. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, I think most labels are going to be putting out what they like. And if that's like what they yeah. like, that's what they yeah, like. Absolutely. And, it, and it's and it's no, once again, no fault of their own. And it just so happens that. You know, there's no other label, maybe other than Limp, that was in the position to do for their little scenes what Discord was able to do for its big scene. And maybe DSI, too. I mean, what about, no, what about Fountain of Youth? Fountain you know? of Youth, Fountain of Youth and Simple Machines. Like, they, I guess there were other labels that picked up the pieces. But once again... Touch and Go. But that's not, Touch and Go is not in the same city. But, like... No, no, sorry. But, like, but, but Tesco moved there. Yeah, but yep. I, but, but this is also, like... But once again, I guess it speaks to the magnitude of Discord that it's able to eclipse all that. You know, like you think of DC, you think of Discord more than any other, like, yeah. you, know, you don't think about Revelation when you think about New York. You think about In Effect. So. Yeah. <laughs> you don't even think about Revelation when you think of Southern California. No. Oh, yeah. You think of New Age. Or, <laughs> yeah, you think of New Age is what you think about. Or yeah. Nemesis Records. Yeah. I would also think that Nemesis I just thought it was... is a cool label because, like, look at all the crazy stuff they put out. I just don't always know if crazy stuff, a crazy rock star, makes a, a great label. I, I, Not to say, yeah. I find like I, I find a diverse ear to me is always fascinating, and someone that at that time or at any given time is able to be in the cut on a bunch of different scenes, like Bovine Records. What a fascinating label. Like, that guy was in the cut on Boris. He was in the cut on Turbo Negro. He was in the cut on, like, so much stuff, you know? And it's like, those scenes weren't necessarily connected until he connected them. I think this is a bit of a different debate, though, because I like the point you're making, Dane, but I think that the idea of we're discussing punk-centric things, when you think of, like, the purity punk labels that exist, which you cite Danger House as a great example... I think like all of the great punk labels you think of tend to have a very singular vision, and that's yeah. what makes it good. Yeah, yeah. I think. Well, once again, it's what defines a great punk label, Chris. But I, I think I'm. <laughs> uh, 
But yes, you're right. I think Discord is the greatest. Yes, I well, just see. You you know I have very diverse tastes, so I'm yes. not speaking just like I don't just listen to punk rock by any means. But like, I think that's like if we're discussing that significance, I think Discord is an interesting interesting one because I'm with every release on the early run, and then they start to lose me in in sort of a certain period, and then I like releases here and there. Like when you think of Discord, like what what have they missed on? Like really in that city in ages, there's only one band I can think of. Honestly, well, well, I think there's. I, I think the the great Discord record that never came out was the Battery record, and I know that sounds silly, but like imagine if they had put out a Battery record at the same time as Fugazi, as a way of like connecting the two worlds. I've but, got I've got the bigger one, and I know why probably they didn't do it or why it never happened and why it would never happen, arguably. But eighty six mentality is the only one they've missed on. Well, that would be incredible. Could you imagine? They, that's even more ridiculous than my one. <laughs> well, I know there was a story about when Ian Mackay was doing his, like, spoken word kind of thing that the dude from Kangaroo, like, called him out for, like, not putting out, like, Black Market Baby and, like, something else. Like, there yeah, was some, like, yeah. Black Market Baby, like, LP that was, like, essentially, like, given to Discord and they passed on it. And how like Black Market Baby never really got their never got popular. Yeah, and that's, you know according which, according to Hank was. Awesome. It's back to my point on that one, and you know, but I you know, I'm not saying that Hank wasn't a very boisterous man that would take any opportunity to call Ian McKay out on something, and that maybe this wasn't necessarily all his fault. But at the same time, uh, I kind of think it proves that speaks to my point that I was trying to make earlier that Discord wrote the history, and if Discord had picked up on a band, like, we were talking about this band Trenchmouth with them, and everyone in D.C. talked about how important this band was, and it's like, mm-hmm. if Trenchmouth had a record that came out on Discord, that would rewrite the history books. Because but they weren't from D.C. They were. Not, no, not, no. Not only, your, only... Not your Trenchmouth. they mouth. didn't live in D.C. Not your Trenchmouth. The D.C. Trenchmouth. The, the first Trenchmouth from 70s. 79 to oh. 80. This is Which, to be fair, was pre-Discord, though. Which is pre-Discord, but I mean, if Discord put that out now, because Discord has reissued some stuff, right? Or if Discord, oh no, no, I agree. Yeah, yeah. You know, or at any point, if Discord had put that out, you know, because it like it seems like that band ran a little <laughs> bit longer and actually shared members. I found out researching with uh, Ignition or with Iron Cross at some point. Like one of the members was in both bands for. Uh, so they could have just done the record on Skinflint. They could have done a record on Skinflint. But I think, yeah. like, but that's the thing is, like, there's so many bands that Discord could have put out, you know, Obsessed. That would have been crazy, but maybe they weren't yeah. into them. But. You know what's I the, see, but I think that, you know, they, they had more than enough to concentrate yeah, on. Yeah. And also, you know, like a, a band like Obsessed, you know, well, I think they liked them. Um, they definitely weren't in the same scene. Like, they weren't hanging out. They and there were together. enough people. They, play, they did play together. <laughs> Yeah, but there were enough people that were, like, you know, really, you know, much more of the same mind who had records, you know, that they were putting out. You're right. I don't think they've ever, you know, until maybe recently, ever been like, well, I don't know. What are we going to put out, you know? Oh, you're right. Um, you're, and I don't needed, even think they think that The world needed the Egg Hunt 7-inch more than it needed an Obsessed record. It needed to- what, what Discord band was playing with the Obsessed? <laughs> Uh, there's I'm a not, flyer. I'm not there's a flyer. There's a flyer. But I have to. I, I well, I know the government issue did. Um, they were 
they were always big fans of the obsessed and pentagram and things like that. I mean, that's, that's where I found out about those bands it was government issue telling me how great they were. Um, and on bouncing babies, government issue, that dead dog song. Um, is it, is it a cover? I want to say it's, it might be a cover. Um, but yeah, there, you know, there, there was some, uh, I can't remember if it was pentagram or the obsessed or whatever, but there's, but yeah, that's where I heard about those bands like John Stab and Tom Lyle being like, those bands are amazing. You should check them out. You know? Okay. I just wasn't, I wasn't aware of those paths. I knew that they were like fans, but I don't think I knew that they like were, you know, played shared bills. I guess that makes sense. You know, and like, I'm being, I'm being kind of like ridiculous on this. I know. Cause like, there's like, you know, I know what it's like to be in a scene with like some band that has no connection to you and you play together. And then all of a sudden you're going to be putting out their fucking record or something. But at the same time, I I just think discord writes the history is what I'm trying to get at. And yeah, yeah. but you know, but with your little egg hunt comment there, I just want to (laughs) say, you know, why does anybody have a record label except to put out their own record? I Uh, mean, you can't talk shit on that record. You, you know, in like, oh, why did they do that? Because it's because it's their record. The two people who run the record label, they made that record, so of course they put it out. They reissued that record too. You know? That's one of the first Discord seven inches that got reissued. Like before, like the Teen Isles demo seven inch or anything. I remember being a kid, and all of a sudden I could buy that record again at HMV. So I bought that record, and it cost me twenty dollars or something. And so, <laughs> yes, Dave, I reserve the right to be a little pissed off. That that Vandy project beat out some other killer DC record that could have been there, but I I agree. You know, if I had a label, which I did, I put out my own band Seven Inches, our first release. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, but, that was a great discussion, might I add, gentlemen. I I, I really liked that. <laughs> That's yeah, I'll take Scooball. I'll take Scooball over Egg Hunt. <laughs> oh well, yeah, but yeah, you know. Yo, you should have been there for Chris having, yeah. honestly, like a 30-minute conversation with Ian McKay about his most famous project. <laughs> it wasn't his most famous, but it's an interesting one. Palehead. I asked him how that existed and happened. It was great. It was like a 20-minute conversation about the history of yeah. Palehead. I found yeah. out all about it. It's fantastic. It, it was in, in amazing. Like it was definitely and none of you. Will, none of you will ever hear that. No, we <laughs> recorded the. We had the best unrecorded podcast ever with Ian McKay. That was like three hours. Uh, yeah, but unfortunately, I feel like I heard him tell that story recently, though. Uh, maybe um, somewhere else. Maybe. But, um, Dave, quit trying to rain on my parade. I thought I was the only one. Oh, no. Okay. okay. <laughs> Sorry, I was joking. He, he also uh, he also went through uh, some pretty yeah it was like a pretty amazing experience. But the thing that also I wanted to bring up, which goes back to Freddie Pompey and why he's important, is we got to hear uh, a version of the Bad Brains covering Screaming Fist from their second ever show. We did. It was and it was great. It was fucking crazy. You know that's like, that's like seeing, you know, it's like seeing a famous Canadian actor in an American TV show. You know what you, that feels like, guys? <laughs> no, they don't. No, I don't. I don't think it's like that at all. But okay, no. <laughs> it is. It is very, well. You would not know what that feels like, Dave. Uh, it is definitely a good feeling, and it was incredible to hear. But it, I think, 
you know, it reflects uh, kind of like the kind of weird record collector nature of DC. That this was also a scene that right from the start was almost like the the postmodern kind of like hardcore kid, like the modern day hardcore kid. Like they're record collecting off the bat. Like they're students of the game, you know, right away. You know, I was going to say, I, I always, I felt like, you know, in a way it's like Ian Mackay is possibly like a failed librarian or something. Dude, <laughs> hey, have you been to the house, Dave? No, no. It's crazy. He's got everything it's ever archived. That, yeah. Everything ever archived. Like he's busting yeah. out flyers. And I'm like, they look like reproductions. And I'm like, how do you store these? He's like, oh, I've just been always keeping them in this file, different files. And it's like mint flyers from like the 70s. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy, but you're right. You know, I mean, he's always had that like, uh, like, oh, I should should keep a record of this. Yeah. I should chronicle this. Yeah. You know. And that's why that scene also, that's like, I guess that's also why that scene is so well documented. Like the scene that they're from and their scene is because and, like, and that's why other people can't do that. And what, yeah. And that's why they're hated because simply because they have, and everyone's like, yeah, I, you know, I could have just saved everything too. And I could have had a great band and put out the record too. And then done it again. <laughs> but I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he is only, like I guess I you can, you can never take away from the fact that he is probably the only. Oh, there's been a, maybe a couple others, but like three act artists, you know, like three someone who's in three, you know, important bands, significance, obviously varying degrees of significance, but like you know, and yes, I'm not including egg count egg hunt in that, Dave, unfortunately, but he was <laughs> in three bands that had huge impacts at different points. And like, not very many people can do that at all. Like, uh, I don't know. Danzig. Maybe that's it. No. Danzig for sure. No. What yeah, do you mean? I'm, no. I'm, I'm, he doesn't come close. Oh, come on. You He falls off so hard, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, he falls off so hard, but like, you know, like, I, I don't think it's like, I don't know, but he also, like, I don't know, like, he struck, he, he went crazier, you know? He went f- way further into the the void, the abyss, than than Ian did. Ian kind of kept himself grounded in a way that Danzig didn't let himself. So, of course, he sucks now with the music because he's so far gone, dude. He's so but gone. Are you, are, he's Kanye West now. He is a Kanye West-type person now. Are you putting in brace? Kanye West. <laughs> are you putting in brace as as one of his three levels or so yeah, to speak? Yeah. Or however you feel? No, no, that's only for me. I would put in no. brace. I would definitely put in brace because like Revolution Summer is one of the most significant moments in punk history, and that's. But embrace were a band for like a year, never played out of DC, and probably didn't play ten times. Dude, Rites of Spring yeah. came in the same way, right? Like, how long is Rites of Spring around for? Long enough. But that's um, the thing. It's like all those bands were around for long enough that they they did have that impact. Like I would, you know, and I'm you know me. I'm like the most critical is, person in the world of this scene. Apparently, <laughs> straight up, the the embrace record is probably my personal personally my most disappointing Discord record. I, I but I mean, you know, not that you know, you know, it's it's it just doesn't do it for me. However, 
I will say, I mean, like, you know, somebody was like, oh, you know, when, when I knew that they were a band that had already broken up, somebody's like, oh, if you just send Ian uh, a tape in like a self-addressed envelope, he'll tape it for you. And so I sent him a tape and I was like, will you tape me the Embrace, you know, record? And he did. And, you know, a month later, I got it back in the mail and it was like, I was just like, I can't believe this has happened. Yeah, that's so, so weird. That's like a, a Candyman situation. Well, if you mail him a tape, it'll just come back with the Embrace record on it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> dude, everything yeah, urban about legend. it was just like the most surreal urban legend experience of my fucking life. Like every moment with this dude was just like, and I've had other interactions with the Imakai that have been kind of disastrous, but like he lived up, he lives up to it in a way that like no other, very few other celebrities I've ever met. And yeah, I'm saying he's a celebrity because he's a celebrity, even though he'd fucking be pissed off as shit if you heard me say that. But, but like, very few people live up to their image in a way that he does. Yeah. I think that's like his image is, is, I think he, it's, you know, it's, it's, he is going for a particular thing and it holds it very seriously. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as someone who was there in the moment, too, the, the one observation I want to make is that what made that day special in the moment was is it was literally just basically nerd music talk on this level, maybe even deeper, for like hours. And what it really kind of spells out to you is when you meet someone who yet, you know, you kind of have this like impression of that you don't know what they'll be like. And the one thing that communicated to me is that this person's like, uh, appreciation of this sort of thing that we're discussing now is as deep and you just automatically assume that someone who's either been a part of these things or whatever is just kind of like wayward about it but uh, he is not and that's a, uh, a very it was a very cool thing to experience that's yeah. what I would on the, on my experience that day didn't know Gizem though no I mean really I, yeah that's yeah, the which comp uh, well, that's what I was kind of thinking, like, maybe from the Peace Comp, but, like, I guess he must have heard him, I imagine, in passing, but I was like, he definitely knew other Japanese, not hardcore, but, like, other Japanese. It's funny, because we're talking about Japanese punk, and I guess it speaks to how narrow my world is of music, because I'm thinking of all these bands that I, you know, and I'm I'm, I'm pretty deep in the type of Japanese stuff that I like. I'm not as deep as some people, obviously, but, like, I'm, I definitely can go. But his stuff was all, like, much more from that kind of boredom's world. And it was just like, oh, it's an entirely different take on Japanese punk. Like, what he referred to as Japanese punk was not necessarily what I referred to. It was not Burning Spirits, really. It wasn't Burning Spirits at all. No, is he in like co? No, I don't. I don't know. They didn't come up. He showed us like a bunch of CDs and and took us through a bunch of shows that they played in Japan at different times. And like, it was it was definitely like it was definitely cool and awesome the stuff that he was talking about. But you know, but I also found that with the Melvins, the Melvins I was talking to, uh, you know, not too long ago, and they didn't they weren't into Gizm too, which I found shocking. Yeah, you know, because I would have thought that was a natural fit. Just, you know, from the poison idea, Jason's, yeah. you know, you just have to go for it. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. That's kind of strange that they weren't into that. But anyway, um, that is not... I mean, the first, time I, the first time I heard that their song in the Peace Comp, I'm like, I gotta buy this album. Me too. They were like, they are one of those bands that I think I had heard about so much that I just eventually was like, fuck, I'm gonna buy this bootleg 7-inch and check it out. 
And then it was like, well, I guess I'm going to have to pay a lot of money to get an original. <laughs> yeah, but at some point, I just took my $38 and I bought one. Oh. Ooh. At some point, I took my $100 and bought one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What, uh, what next talking point do we want? Uh, do we want more DC-related things? I mean, things if we're going to stick with DC, we can just talk about intentionally bumming out your audience. <laughs> That's something that, uh, that John from Gibb talked about. <laughs> yeah. John from Gibb did. I, and I, I will... Uh, the irony there, though, is I don't think that his band is doing that, seemingly. I think this band is, like, very, very welcomed. So I thought that was an interesting take on Gibb from him. Yeah. Or Damien, I'm sure, I, I'm, sure, yeah. I'm sure you have something to say about this. Well, no, yeah. As as someone who specializes in <laughs> bump out core, uh, it, I think I think the thing is like uh, what John's talking about. We live in a much more forgiving time, you know. Like it's it's now a time where you can have freedom and be fun in hardcore and punk. Like you know, like you know, fuck when you guys put out that final LP, Dave. People, there's a backlash to you guys changing your sound and tear it up. It was a, it was a twelve inch. A twelve inch, sorry. Um, Once again, twelve inch. <laughs> but like that, that. Oh yeah. You know, like and it's and, like and, it's fucking insane. But like it's it's that's the way it was, dude. But I'm not arguing. I'm saying I'm well versed in the quasi intentionally bumming out your audience. No, I know. But I'm saying and, like you. But as as someone who played in the who plays in a band, it's not necessarily like you're intentionally trying to bum out your audience so much as you're just like intentionally trying to do something different with your your music, and. You know, now that we're in a post-Cold World kind of hardcore environment where anything goes, uh, you can you can have freedom in a way. And Give is, like, you know, a perfect example of that freedom. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I think a lot you're saying. I think Turnstile is another example. But Turnstile, too. Absolutely. I think DC in general, like, a lot of that scene is kind of, like, reflective of, like, this, like, well, they call it the new wave of DC hardcore, right? It's, like a bunch of different bands kind of doing weird, unique takes on a genre, but yet all kind of fitting in together. I agree. Dave, I cut sure. you off. Mr. Dave Martin, what were you going to say? There? Well, I was, I was saying, I was going to just make a bad joke. It doesn't need to be made. <laughs> <laughs> do you think, like, do you think discord, I don't get the impression that they ever approached. Like, obviously I was half joking when I said battery, but like, like battery or like, you know, did they ever approached any of, you know, like, or Chris brought up 86 mentality, but like, I'm, or like turnstile now, or like, do they have ever approached any of these bands that are kind of like, Especially in 2016, where it just seems like everyone is kind of like aware of this stuff. Like, I know this sounds silly to say, perhaps even having been there, but I feel like do they approach anybody, or do people approach them? Yeah, I also wonder how many bands say no. Like, I I just yeah. don't imagine there's that many people that like you know the guy from the Minor Threats. Like, hey man, I'd love to put out your record. You're like, nah, man, we're gonna go with Lost and Found. <laughs> no, I don't think battery turned him down, but like you know, in this era, maybe someone's like been like, ah, you know, like we we want to, I don't know, we want to do something different, you know, like I I don't probably I, not. I wouldn't be able to turn him down. Like I'm asking, like you know. Well, I mean, you know, it depends. I, you know, obviously, like if you think, you know, you know, if you look at like say a band like Jawbox. Like, mm-hmm. 
that was they had there was a real moment where they were like we could certainly just be on discord or you know we could do it ourselves uh, you know in that same model or we could make this choice and sign to atlantic and and so they went for it and they did it so i mean obviously i think like even in that scene you saw people that were willing to think like that they do i have to just do this that they might do something else yeah, like, and, like um, uh, I, I shudder to think, too, is another example, right? Like, they signed to a major yeah. label at a certain point. And yes. So, yeah. Right, sorry, go on, Dave, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. And, I, I mean, believe me, I think that all of those people now view that as, like, a failed experiment. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, it is what it is, so it's, you know. Well, he's been right um, at every turn, right? Like, that's the other thing that I think frustrates a lot of people, is that he's kind of right. Like, I remember... Well, he's kind of right, but it's very easy for him to be right. He, All of his bands have always been successful, and he's he's just um, a very focused, headstrong individual. So it's, yep. it's really easy to say that, yeah, sure, he's always been right. But that doesn't, you know, I mean, can you imagine, like, you know, that that will being imposed on say any band you've ever been in no exactly no he and i were talking to like you know and i said there would be never never be another fugazi and he got kind of worked up about that hey chris yeah kind of i think not in a uh not in a like a contentious way like like an angry legit way just like yeah he definitely had something to say about it though but it's yeah. true like there will never be another fugazi because like there's not the manufacturing base for a band to have like obviously he worked super fucking hard and is incredibly dedicated in a way that arguably no one else has ever been to to what he's doing and had luckily people around him that also followed that vision at various points but but you know like he he was able to sell through hundreds of thousands of copies of records and and keep that place afloat, which I don't think, you know, would happen today. Like Godspeed You Black Emperor can't sell a hundred thousand units or Tragedy can't sell through a hundred thousand copies of their record or something. You know, like it's No, I mean that's just a thing that nothing you can't sell I mean think like look at the Havoc Records website and look at some of those weird records that like you don't know anyone that like is like, oh man, murderers. Awesome. But like <laughs> There's probably five thousand of that record, you know, yeah, and it's yeah. just like, well, you know, yep. Like they're they're like that's just what the '90s were is because the to sound like a, an old old man, like the internet and streaming and all of that kind of changed that whole model because it's like well, you don't have to like buy things to see if if you like them. Yeah, you can just listen to it forever, and if you like it, you can just steal it. Yeah. yeah. So like, now, there's I no mean, reason to to, to like, produce lots of stuff. That you know that that seven inch is now just a latte. You yeah. know, like that money is just filtered into like disposable things for people's lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, well, it's and it's depressing to talk about, especially. But like, he, I think he, you know, Ian. Like, I, I think it's hard for him to see. That it's like there's it's not like there's going to be another band that's going to be able to do the ten dollars show kind of thing because now you're living off your fucking show, you know. And it's and like also they were very Calvinist in the way they or like Calvinist they were very like uh, Spartan in the way they lived, right? Like there's all these stories about them all living in the house and living very communally and stuff like that. But, but I think that's what like a lot of 
bands in the nineties just did that. I yeah. mean, and that's, you know, what you, what you did is, you know, is you, if you, if you're going to live off it, you're not going to live like you're in, you know, poison. Like you're going to live in a, a small minimalist way because it's the only way you can survive. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, I think that's just how you, that's the only way you could do it as much as it is. Even if you wanted to like, just go balls out. I don't think it was in the cards. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with Dave. Like, I don't think any, and and that's what's so weird when people are like, and they lived in this, like, what, like, no, they just that's how you did. It. It well, was, yeah, like I think even by like fucked up, we all lived in the same house when we started. You know, like that's you know, like it was even going like the monkeys. Yeah, like the monkeys. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, the, or like the Manson family too. Callback. Uh, so, uh, but like you know, like yeah, like it was even still going. But I think you know the difference was. If that purported fortune punk millionaires list is to be believed, they were doing it on a different scale. You know? Well, yeah, I mean, they were selling records on a different scale, yes. Yeah, exactly. That's you what know. I mean. Like, so they were able to kind of, you know, obviously put money back in the label. Like, he was incredibly dedicated. He keeps coming back to, like, you know, him being such a special person, you know, and like that, all of them being such a special person. Like, I think that, um, to bring it back to the show, because Ian McKay was not on this fucking podcast, but Alec brings up their, their older sister, who to me is the coolest of the family. The one that yeah, got them well, all into punk. You don't really ever hear about her. No, and it's like and it's it's funny because like I was researching Ian, I was trying to find out her name, but Ian um, like has brought her up before in interviews, and that's apparently uh, why his dad dropped it. His dad was studying to become a, a minister at a certain point, and left to marry his uh, his mom and have this uh, elder sister. But yeah, you never she's not involved in the label, but she's the one that you know from Alex's story sounds like she had the the best most incredible young adult life and then came back with these punk records and which also kind of flies in the face of that other narrative you always hear about how uh you know ian got into punk and hardcore but anyway she could just be like the other osborne child besides jack and kelly you yeah. just never hear <laughs> the one that refuses about. to be shown on the show <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um, as, to to try to bring up another point, just because I feel like we've we've talked a long time. We've talked uh, a long time. We should get. I, kinda... like this, if I only want to have, if I want to, if I want to have one thing that I think is super cool from the uh, Alec portion, it would be the uh, post minor threat tour road trip. Oh my god, yeah. that story was so cool. So cool. I agree. Who do you think is a better driver? <laughs> well. <laughs> We saw Alec yeah. tear off on a motorcycle, and uh, Alec was on a motorcycle. So I'm giving Alec yeah. the edge because I don't believe Ian rides motorcycles. No, I don't think so either. No, he seems more practical. Yeah, yeah. My, yeah my, you know, he, he he had a very serious motorcycle accident a long time ago. Uh, actually, it was um, we saw um, ignition. Well, I, I think it was fire party ignition and Fugazi. Uh, I think at the Wilson Center, um, and then later that night, I think Alec got into his motorcycle accident. Wow, it was very crazy. serious. Well, yeah. he was still riding and he seemed fine, so that's good. But 
Um, I didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah. I feel like I remember hearing about that at some point, but yeah, I don't. Obviously, it was not it's like yeah, a current event. So, so split sidebar then. Uh, greatest musicians who've gotten motorcycle accidents: Bob Dylan or Alec McKay? Go. Alec anyway. McKay. Billy Idol. <laughs> yeah. No question. I was going to say Billy Idol. Uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, that was a joke. But yeah. But uh, what other little ones can we hit up here? Uh, I I also to, want, like I, I want to also talk just about shout Dante. out how sick is. Oh, go on, Chris. Yeah, yeah. I want to say. Dante. I was just going to say shout out to the carrying the boombox or whatever it was in the back of the speakers in the back back of the car with HR. That was amazing visual picture. Yeah. Incredible. That would be like oh, yeah. the uh, ultimate car stereo setup, HR and Alec. <laughs> um, I, I kind of also thought Dante, you know, like, you know, low key between like setting up those early Revolution summer shows and being in Iron Cross and, of course, Grey Matter being so important to that kind of scene and then being in Ignition, you know, like, and also being super young, more than. Alec even kind of tells the story of DC hardcore through his life. I mean, that was one of the things that, like, and just listening to those, like, and trying to, like, think of things to write down, it's like, I can't imagine being like, oh, yeah, it was like Youth Brigade and SOA. Like, that's, like, maybe it's just from <laughs> growing up outside of New York, you just always at least are, like, one generation away from some old-timer that, like, saw everyone. But I just never, you know, never really knew anyone that was, like, like level one DC hardcore. Yeah. To like talk about scene. I mean, it was it wasn't until like American Hardcore came out that you even like saw like footage of like Void or any of that stuff. Like it was such a mystery for like because of the label, you always like knew those bands, but like you know, I you know, I never saw a Vo- when American Hardcore came out. It was like you got to go see it because there's Void footage. It's like all right, well, yeah, we'll do. But uh, I had no idea that 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 uh, Iron Cross were like a, a kid band. Yeah, yeah. Like they just yeah. seem like adults, and it's just to be like, oh yeah, sixteen, I I quit. I've you know been doing this two years. I don't want to do it anymore. And it's like I had <laughs> no idea that they were children. Well, it but. was a kid scene, right? Like that's a like you know like you know they were all kids. You know, like the eldest people in the scene were young kids. It was like Children of the Corn or Peter Pan or something, like where it was like young people running the scene. And I guess it like. It does kind of mimic what happened on the West Coast when you have that sort of suburban invasion of the downtown L.A. scene. But, yeah. you know, where you have this, like, other punk scene that existed prior to it that now has just been kind of eradicated from history, more or less. But then this young punk scene shows up, young hardcore scene shows up, and that becomes the scene. Yeah. And, I, you know, and that's, that's my scene more than oh, the yeah. earlier scene. Me too. Like I, I guess the, I don't. Know, there's some cool bands from that early scene, you know. But like, I want to hear that Trenchmouth band. If I ever hear those recordings, that they sounded fucking incredible. Alec went on and on about how they were like one of the biggest influences in his life. I believe that was the the singer of that band. He claimed was his biggest influence. Correct? Yeah, biggest influence, personal influence. Yeah, I can't remember the the guy's name, but uh, the uh, the guy has like a had an, like an Iggy Pop vibe apparently live. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I like, a, like a prop, like a Stooges era Iggy Pop to disclaim as well. Anyway. I wonder if they're Not, on one of yeah. those comps. I wonder if they're on one of those, uh, like limp comps or something. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, but uh, what other quick points can we get to here? Because we've been going a little long. Yeah, uh, we're going a little long. <laughs> <laughs> Tension bump the 
the audience. Uh, yeah, Dante, I think the one quick point on Dante, too, I think the idea, doesn't he mention that his, his father has the restaurant that's like a communal thing or something, mm-hmm. too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Think, like, perhaps some of that like leaks in as well as to why the DIY thing, I mean, he kind of, I guess, mentions it, too. But the DIY thing being so prevalent in D.C., was because I think some of these people came from it, including like Dante, what he mentioned. Yeah, like his dad ran Food for Thought, right? And yeah, and that's where he could do all these shows and stuff like that. Like I think also uh, since doing the interview, I've kind of gone back and listened to that first Gray Matter LP. That thing is so good. That first, or I mean, yeah. which record? A twelve inch, the first Gray Matter record. Gray Matter. Oh, oh yeah, no every every. The first two records are perfect. Yeah, they're and then awesome. I still ride for everything, but you know those first two records and their track on the um, on that uh, seven inch comp uh, begins with A. Um, oh, on the uh, alive and kicking comp. Alive and kicking comp. That version of Walk the Line yeah. is insane. Yeah, it's yeah. fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, it. Yeah. it and they're also like another. But band. no, that that bit. Sorry. Well, they changed my life. I mean, because like that was like the reason why Dante quit Iron Cross. I was feeling all of that too. I was like, I was like, oh, it's like I just can't take all these boneheads, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then the fact that like they it was almost the same band, you know, and but none of those like nobody came across nobody came over everyone's still like iron cross uh, you know and so it was i was like like why don't people see you know it's perfect well i guess that's the thing right like, I, I i wish that, that yeah go go on you go. it's just the sonic thing right it's just the sonic difference and i'm sure a lot of people were in it for the wrong reasons at a certain point in time so it's just that you know it's the same old story i think it's happened to different bands, same way. Yeah, like, yeah, I mean, I I I wish that Gray Matter had been a band that I got into earlier. Mm-hmm. Like, I wish they were a band that like fell into my early bands that I was hearing. Because I feel like I heard like the year and seven inches type Discord stuff, and then didn't really like going. Yeah, like, like you know, and there's things I could have heard that I didn't hear as early as I should have. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Like, I kind of want to get a copy of this LP, though, the Food for Thought LP on R&B Records. Oh, yeah? It's not, it's you, not need, that, you need one. I need one. It's not no, that big it's not one. that, no. Huh. Not, they come up, you know, all the time. You see them. Um, we could talk about everything in this episode way longer, but I think we're getting the two-hour mark, so we should probably wrap it up, right? Yeah. Sure. Okay, because we also, next week, gentlemen, we got to reconvene the team, because next week we're taking on Philadelphia, and I'm talking <laughs> Philly Boy Roy. I'm talking the return of Jeff Cannonball. I'm talking a cameo from Andy It Up. I'm talking uh, Andy Nelson. I'm talking uh, Jay Goldberg with our, I don't know Chris. The funniest, craziest story about a live show ever. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was very entertaining. Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, and then, of course, Dan, Dr. Dan from Lifetime and from Kid Dynamite and Painted Black at all. 
And of course, headlining over everyone, the fucking legend, Jackal from Why Die. And he lives up to it. Trust me on this one. Yeah, I was like, I was, I was like, didn't you have the wide eye guy as well? Okay, yeah, there he. Wasn't sure if he was top billing. Okay, yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's amazing. Like, I can't think of a more perfect Philadelphia experience than to have a a sandwich where the bottom of the bun is Philly Boy Roy, and the top of the bun is Jackal <laughs> from Wide Eye. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm interested, you know, to hear that guy's inter- be interviewed. Oh, dude, it's good. So I'm, it's I'm awesome. looking forward to it. <laughs> it is, it like, much in the same way Ian McKay lived up to every expectation you had, you could have for him on this trip, Jackal lived up to every expectation in a completely different way that you could have for him. <laughs> uh, but that, well, is, I- that is for next week. Well, I will uh, make my notes and be prepared. Um, do you guys want to ha- hand out your Twitter handles and how people can get in touch with you and various other things, or or no? Um, my my Twitter is is honestly like stream of conscience, and 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 you know I I, I tweet as if no one's ever going to read it. Uh, so that's probably not. So if you find it, feel free. They're they're all weird. Uh, what about what no, about the uh, gram? Uh, my gram is currently what? Uh, no, Dave's fly here. Yeah, uh, you can find me that way. <laughs> uh, Dave Martin, are you like Chris O'Toole, or are you like me, a slave, a same, a shameless self-promoter? I mean, it's. I mean, I feel like I'm pretty easy to find. It's it's just you know, my, my full name with my middle initials, you know. So, uh, it's pretty unexciting unless you're into like parking violations. <laughs> it, it seems like it's been a. A little low lately. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I feel like, um, uh, you know, my wife got that one photo last week, but there have not been too many. I don't know. Is yeah. it is Trump's America changing the rules on parking uh, restrictions? Um, <laughs> I can't <laughs> even answer that. It's, it's anyway. changing the rules on everything, and, <laughs> yes. and we're coming over, okay? Make them yeah. for us. Yeah. yeah. We're going to have the, the best parking they're going to be such good parking. <laughs> it's going to be great. Yeah. All right, well, Dave. Close it out. Well, on that note, uh, until next week. And is is it Friday the big the big day, everyone? The twenty first, isn't it? Is uh, no, no, it is Friday the twentieth or whatever. Yeah. So that's yeah. this Friday. So uh, it, we will see you on the other side, everyone. See you next week <laughs> with Turn It a Punk live from Philadelphia. Get in touch with us. It all seems so trivial now, but uh, you can hit us up on various forms of social media. I mean, me, at Lefford Damien. You can uh, find the Turn It a Punk show by going over to turnitapunk at gmail.com and uh, Tumblr, turnitapunk.tumblr.com. Facebook, the Facebook page run by my brother, Tristan Abraham, Turn It a Punk on there and that's uh and that's it oh subscribe rate and review this thing if you use itunes and if not tell your friends chris how do they get in touch with us here turned out a punk footnotes at gmail.com all right everyone that's it for this week we will see you next week thank you thank you thank you thank you very much to the daves we know we know we know these are the days we know um and we will see you next week <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>